Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I think we had a little bit of a late start today here on the uh, on the program. Huss with you. Michael Remus, lots to get to today. Jeff Hamilton on the Jets. Bombers outlook going into the playoffs. Maybe a little bit on the Riders. Matt Leibel's going to jump on. He was the game on Saturday night. We'll chop it up with Maddie, And uh, we will also talk a little NFL with Matt. And uh, before that, of course, with the St. Louis Blues in town tonight, Jamie Rivers, Blues analyst, is going to be a guest of us on the program. We've got a little bit of a late start here. So welcome to all of you that are with us. And a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp., Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Canadian Whiskey, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Consolidated Supply, and of course our friends at F Apparel, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza. Um, Remo, I guess we'll uh, just kind of get right back to this, but uh, was a uh, was a busy weekend, lots to get to. We'll get to the why not odd question of the day as far as who won the weekend, but uh, overall a disappointing night at the rink on Saturday uh, great to see the place full, sold out, and buzzing, but it was did not go the Winnipeg Jets way. Yeah, it was a great uh, weekend after some great weather yesterday uh, for football watching, but Saturday had the Jets game versus Toronto, or was it a Leafs game uh, with the Jets? Either way, <laughs> I think it was great. You know, I know a lot of people don't like when it's like half Leaf fans, and I get that, but it was sold out crowd, first sellout since March 2020. Uh, which I think is pretty big. And I think you like the atmosphere in the building to be like that because it does translate on the ice, and you definitely have seen that in the last couple Jets-Leafs games going back to uh, the old North division. It's another Canadian division. So there's some definitely some fireworks there in the second period. Um, but you can say what you want to say about the officiating. Has, I think the Jets' problem so far this season has been they can't they can't score goals. And... Uh, it's been rough, and it was, well, you know, they had a couple posts. I don't know if they had those grade-A chances there uh, on Saturday, but great, great atmosphere, and I think you love to see that at Canada Life. Yeah, um, listen, as far as the way the game went, um, listen, I thought the Leafs were the better team, and they deserved to win. Pretty simple. Um, I know there was a lot made of uh, the refereeing and some of the calls, and, you know, that's going to probably even out over the course of the year. Um, did not like that hit on Cole Perfetti um, later on in the game that was not penalized. And I think that the the very contentious interference penalty on Josh Morrissey was another question. And Mason Appleton might have been the most pissed off guy in the building on uh, the uh, alleged pick on one of those, uh, one of the Leaf goals. But you're exactly right, Remo. I mean, when I, you know, when you go back and watch the game. Um, you know, I thought the Leafs did a really good job of limiting the Jets' quality scoring chances. And, you know, there were a few. You mentioned the post. Blake Wheeler had that one great play where he managed to get it out past the net and seemingly have an open net, wasn't able to shoot it in. But for the most part, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, were not able to get in the position to really create the true high-danger scoring chances that... You know, you need to to score in the National Hockey League. And listen, it's still very early, um, but there's no doubt about it. They got to get more from that top line and they have to figure out a way for Kyle Connor to be put in more op- more um, 
uh, space and opportunity for him to get that shot out and get that shot out quickly. And it does seem like it's a little bit of a work in progress for the club. And man, tough test tonight going right back at it against the St. Louis Blues, who completely shut down Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers of all teams, shutting them out 2 nothing on the weekend. Yeah, Kyle Connor off to a slow start. If you took him first round in your fantasy league, I don't... Um... Probably not happy with what you've been getting so far. One goal, which was an empty net goal. One assist and two points in five games. Not very Kyle Connor-like numbers. And the Jets want to have some success. He's got to get on the board scoring goals. And um, I've seen comments in the chat already. I don't know if we're at must-win territory here at game... What is this? Game six? Six. Game two and three. Two and three. So, uh, I mean, you don't want to go... You don't want to go to two and four... And this is a divisional opponent, a big one. So uh, I don't know if it's a must win, but it would be great if they did get the win before heading out on the road. And uh, power play and penalty kills, we mentioned power play, Huss. I mean, they're near the bottom third of the league, 14.3%. That was something they had talked about in training camp. And again, small sample size. So these things could turn around very quickly if you have one good game. But penalty kill as well, a factor the Jets sitting 26th. And penalty kill again, small, very, very small sample size. But these are just things from the training camp they said they wanted to improve on, and we haven't seen that yet. And um, we'll probably need a couple more games before we can get a, a real read. But I'm seeing some people that have watched the team so far, and it feels like similar to what we've seen in the past. But another game tonight against the Blues, we're off to a very strong start uh, on their end. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I don't know about you. I mean, I was optimistic about the season, but I didn't expect the Jets to come out of training camp looking like the Colorado Avalanche in game one of the year. Um, you know, they had a couple nice wins. I mean, the win against the Rangers and, of course, the one against Colorado. Certainly, I mean, you need to have those, and those are two good teams that the Winnipeg Jets beat. Um, but they've also had, you know, losses now to Dallas, Vegas, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and I think we knew that these first 10 games are going to be really, really tough for the Winnipeg Jets and that they need to find a way to grind out some points. And that's why, to me, Remo, this game this evening is so important. Um, I didn't like the way the Jets looked in their first head-to-head divisional matchup in Dallas against the Stars. And I think the Stars did a lot of things to the Winnipeg Jets that the St. Louis Blues are going to try to do. That's limit the time and space. That's be incredibly aggressive on the forecheck. Um, and, you know, the Jets did not really react to that very well for the majority of the Dallas game. Um, and then there is everything coming out of the game again on Saturday night with needing the ability to get into those dirty areas. And as Rick bonus said earlier today, generate maybe a greasy goal or two when um, things aren't looking just the way you draw them up on the board. But just before we get to everything about tonight's game, um, some real concern about Rick bonus today at, uh, at the morning skate and at the presser afterwards. And, you know, we won't play this, uh, but I'm sure many of you have seen the reports coming out of the Matt Frost media center. Um, it was a very uh, unusual situation where Rick bonus, who of course missed the first four games battling COVID uh, was back behind the bench for the jets. And uh, for the first time this year on Saturday night, met the media after the morning skate today. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the things that he did say, including, you know, needing the special teams to be better uh, and certainly needing to generate more offense. Uh, but I think everyone right now holding their breath and a little bit concerned for the new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets because, Remo, as he was, 
replying to one of the questions of the uh, of the media he had to pause uh, he took a long pause and a minute and apparently as the jets reporting had some dizzy spells looked almost a little disoriented for a moment soldiered through to take another question from kelly moore of 680 cjob and then abruptly said he had to go um I would say that there is certainly questions about Rick Bonus and how he's feeling and whether he'll be on the bench tonight. And considering what he's been through to start the season, uh, I, certainly I think whether you're you know, a Winnipeg Jet fan, you're a member of the media, someone around the organization, everyone just sending uh, positive thoughts and vibes Rick Bonus's way because um, considering what he has had to deal with over the last little bit, it seems like he's maybe not completely through it. And... Um, that was a concerning moment today at uh, at the Matt Frost Media Center. Yeah, I was live on the Winnipeg Jets uh, pregame YouTube, and he was answering questions. Yeah, he paused. It looked like he was almost about crying or in pain. I, I'm not sure. Uh, finished the answer, and then Kelly Moore's like, hey, if you need to take a, a break, we can cut this short. And he tried to power through and eventually had to cut it short. Mike McIntyre reported he was suffering from dizzy spells this morning, and he got checked out by the medical staff. Status for the game tonight, unclear, but um, it, apparently he did insist on doing the uh, availability before, but it was clearly not 100%, and you hope, um, you know, everything is okay, he gets checked out, and, you know, we're wishing him all the best. Very, it's definitely a bit concerning um, seeing that from the from the Winnipeg Jets head coach. Um, I've just, I guess, uh, dizziness, after effects from having, uh, dealing with the COVID, and hopefully he's... He's better as soon as he can be. That's that was tough to watch us. Yeah, yeah, it really was, and I mean, no need to 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 play it. I mean, I think it's probably something that, um, you know, in retrospect for the team, maybe you know, bones a couple more days in bed. I mean, listen, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor, and we don't know. It just bottom line is, it was a concerning scene today, and we certainly hope that whether he's on the bench tonight or not, there's some things more important, and certainly Rick Bonus, how he's feeling, his personal health is. Uh, the first thought, I think, of everyone close to the team and everyone that follows the Winnipeg Jets right now. Um, as far as the game goes tonight, though, um, we are going to see it looks like pretty much the same lineup, although a little bit of a change. Sam Gagne is going to be moving up with Lowry and Barron. David Gustafson centering Axel and Menelainen. And Menelainen was actually working out as an extra this morning, but then there was Dominic Toninato doing more work afterwards. So it will be Menelainen in, not playing on that big, beefy third line. Then uh, we'll see a little bit more of uh, Axel Johnson-Fielby and David Gustafson as well. But let's face it, when we look at this game tonight, if the Winnipeg Jets are going to get the result that they want, we're looking straight at those top two lines. Shifley, Connor, Mason Appleton right now filling the spot of Nikolai Ehlers, who we hope to be back later this week, and Perfetti, Dubois, and Wheeler. I'll say this about Dubois. Um, if he comes with the same level of piss and vinegar that he had on Saturday night, I think that'll be uh, that'll bode well for the Winnipeg Jets because you know St. Louis is bringing a lot on their side of things, Reem. Yeah, St. Louis, they're off to a great start, and uh, PLD, I don't know if you saw us, he was in chat, and he's looking for the person who called him out on Friday's show, and uh, he did have a nice game on the weekend, and PLD's had that rivalry with the Maple Leafs, going back to with Columbus in the playoffs, and he's definitely brought it out uh, while with the Jets. You mentioned Cole Perfetti, he's looked pretty strong on this second line, however, keeps 
Keeps getting hit from behind here. What's what's going on? Uh, going back to the preseason when Naz- Nazem Kadri boarded him in the third period of the end of a preseason game was one of the most ridiculous hits, and he got the hit again on the weekend. There's been a couple others. Uh, I'm not sure what to do. Maybe the NHL could call a boarding penalty and care about the safety of some of their players. You saw a couple of Jets jumping in right away on Saturday. But I think you got to be concerned as a guy who was injured last season, just taking some bad you know, bad hits just right in the, in the back near the boards. But I like how they've been. But that top line, that's the one we're going to be looking at tonight. You know, goals uh, hard to come by so far. You've had your guy near 50 goal score a season who hasn't scored on a goalie yet this year, uh, five games in. So you hope that Connor Shafley-Appleton can get on the board. And the D pairs, uh, Dylan Sandberg skated in a non-contact jersey. And they hope he's going to be available on the road trip. Logan Stanley. Uh, still in here uh, with what Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan Schmidt, Stanley, DeMello Hellebuck getting the start. And it will be Thomas Grice for the Blues. Pass. Yeah, you mentioned Dubois. And I know BA said PLD was a beast last game. I'm glad you reminded because PLD did jump into the chat yeah. when his name was brought up. <laughs> and did he not guarantee that he was going to be scoring on Saturday as well? Uh, maybe. He came he in, did. He came in he off did. the top. <laughs> He came in off the top of the show. Uh, he's like, who called me out? Who, I said I would score. Oh, yeah. He said, where is that guy who said on Friday they needed more from me? And he, he definitely uh, stepped up there. So. Well, and, and he stepped up, and he was also the first guy to jump in when Cole Perfetti got whacked in the back in that game that was one of those contentious hits that uh, many of us thought was boarding right now. So he was certainly engaged. He seems to get up for those sort of games under the bright lights, Hockey Night Canada. Now let's see what this team has on a Monday night against the St. Louis Blues, who come in, as we mentioned, after shutting out the Edmonton Oilers on the weekend. We'll talk more about the Blues coming up with just a second with uh, with Jamie Rivers, who will fill us in on uh, the great start for the visitors and some of the stories around the visiting Blues going into tonight's game and coming out of the offseason. And then we'll dive into a little bit more Jets talk and maybe a little bit more Bomber talk as well with Jeff Hamilton. Speaking of the Canadian Football League, though, Remo, uh, it's going to be a very dull week 21 in the league. Got a number of teams going through the motions and then getting ready for next year and garbage bag day next Monday. And then everybody else just trying to stay healthy and prepare for the playoffs. Of course, the Bombers coming off that bye last week and with a bye next week on account of winning the West, We'll have an opportunity to go in, and I would imagine Zach Caleros might play a little bit. Good news today coming out of practice is reported by Ed Tate and the guys on the scene there. Bomber offense practicing with both Greg Ellingson and Drew Wolitarski for this final game. You'd love to see Ellingson get some reps and get some game action in the regular season because he will be a guy that they're going to want to count on in that West final, whether they're playing against Calgary or BC. Yeah, the one thing to watch for this week in the CFL is Nathan Rourke. He's back practicing after his injury. There was, you know, we thought he was done for the year, but he may get some reps in on Friday, depending on the weather. And yeah, this whole final week, us the matches are all are all set. We thought Ottawa had that very outside chance. I don't know if you saw Hamilton's game-winning field goal on Friday against uh, against. Did you? Did it happen? I really wasn't sure. What happened because Hamilton was on the final drive and TSN cut away, cut away. And I was watching TV and just had it on mute. And I really had no idea what happened. I thought maybe it was a tie and they just 
ended the game. I don't think I've ever <laughs> I've ever seen that cutting away. I know they're well, I know they're overlapping, but you're about to kick the game winning field goal and you just cut away. It was that was really that was weird. a puzzling one. That was a puzzling one, and a lot of people that maybe don't have all the TSN channels. Uh, I, I was watching it on, I guess, TSN five. I didn't even realize, yeah. so I didn't know that that had happened until I saw so many people mad online shortly thereafterwards. Okay, I was watching on my tablet on mute while having something else on the TV, and I was like, went to look back, and I saw that it was over. I was like, oh, I thought there was like a minute left. Didn't they kick it? I had to go look on. I had no idea what happened until I saw people very mad on Twitter and rightfully, I think rightfully so, right? You don't cut away. I have all, I, you don't cut away. Well, like, here's like, the thing though. It was 40 here's seconds. Thing, it was 40 imagine, seconds. Imagine it was a bomber game. And they didn't show the, the opening kickoff. And, the, and, and, and exactly. And the bombers weren't being shown on TV because they were showing the final minutes of the Hamilton yeah. Ottawa game. I, then people would have also been mad online. So I don't know. It could have been done. I think it could have been done better. You don't cut away. Maybe it's a ploy to make sure people subscribe to all well, five TSN channels. Basically, that's what it is. But a lot of the time, uh, I don't know if they utilize them to their maximum. What about the capability. split screen? Like they have a split screen. Yeah, they could have done that, that too. That would have been like, that would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I'm here for for split screen. If you have to do, you don't cut away from. It was 30 seconds. It wasn't like there was five minutes left in the game, and you could scramble to your remote and find find the channel. Like it was 30 seconds. So. It was that was odd, but either way, Hess, the playoffs uh, are definitely set in uh, in the CFL, and the big story, Saskatchewan, who's hosting, not in, and they, they are the big... well. If you know what, that's a perfect segue into the why not question of the day, uh, because as we often like to do on Mondays, we ask the simple question: Who won the weekend? And I can tell you, we don't want to hear the Leafs. Thank you very much, and. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders certainly didn't win the weekend. They are bound for the offseason with a game to go. Uh, and they'll uh, things will be busy in Regina. They'll be hosting the Grey Cup. Just the Riders won't even be part of the playoffs, which is pretty shocking considering their expectations going into this season. Uh, of course, a why not question of the day. Hit us up in the comments or the chat with your thoughts on the best performance of the weekend. I'll tell you who it also wasn't. Tom Brady, and it also wasn't Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, who both took big L's. We're going to talk about the NFL next hour with Matt Liable a little bit later on. But let me throw out a team that did win the weekend and mm -hmm. continues to win, and that's the Manitoba Moose, Remo. I know we've been spending a lot of time focusing on uh, everything happening with the Winnipeg Jets, but um, quite quietly, after a bit of a third-period collapse in the home opener, the Manitoba Moose have rattled off four in a row. They've got nine of ten in the first week. And that, I believe, is the first time that they have done that before, right out of the gate. Three wins in three consecutive nights. Everyone getting in on the scorecard and into the lineup. And, um, you know, we're seeing lots of good things from Brad Lambert, Mikey Acemont, Chaz Lucius playing in the top six as well. And, of course, that defense. And, I don't know how much more what Billy Hanlon needs to do at this AHL level to show that he is ready for maybe a little bit of time up in the uh, with the big club. But when you consider how the power play is struggling right now and what he's doing with the Manitoba Moose, I have to think it is a matter of time before we're going to get Billy Hanlon in and you know, and maybe going into the lineup and actually having a role in the power play when he finally does get in. Uh, bottom line, as Rick Bonus said, 
penalty and PK need to be better. Neither of those numbers have them outside of the bottom quarter of the National Hockey League. And for this team, if they're going to make it happen, they're going to need uh, maybe a little bit more like the Moose and what Mark Morrison has his goal, his team going right now. Yeah, look at this grinder of a schedule for the Moose this weekend. Us Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back to back to back. And the Moose with the weekend sweep in Chicago, Milwaukee, Rockford. Now that's all three games. It's all one time zone, so it's not quite as big of a grinder, but... Uh, you know, winning 5-2, 5-2, and 6-3. Billy Hainala collecting a number of points. We've talked about the Jets' power play struggles. Is the guy who can quarterback your power play? Maybe give him a look, although it sounds like Dylan Sandberg will be okay, but I think it might be sooner uh, sooner than later for him as he's definitely making it back. And shout-out to Jansen Harkins, who's having who's a bit of a hot streak here, too, uh, on the top line there. Uh, with the Manitoba Moose. Uh... Yeah, Hark, Hark, I think, has goals in four straight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, since he got into the lineup. And, hey, listen, Toninato got the first call up, and he was the last guy down. So at forward, I would presume that Toninato and Harkins are the guys that they'll lean on. But and we're seeing some of the young players, I think, move more and more into the mix that at some point this season they could be options. And obviously the conversation that never ends around here on what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets' blue line Billy Hainala, monster, monster weekend. Um, Declan Chisholm looking amazing as well right now. And, you know, depending on what happens with this blue line and where the Winnipeg Jets are and if they can get some wins and, you know, maybe calm everything around, that'll be good. If not, um, wouldn't be surprised. And I would love, frankly, personally, to see maybe Billy get an opportunity coming up at some point. Bottom line is it won't be tonight as the Jets take on the St. Louis Blues. And we're going to get to the latest on the Blues in just a minute with Jamie Rivers. Um, before we do that, I got to give a big shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply. And by the way, the guys did a great, great relaunch of the website. Pop on over and check it out right now if you want to know on everything that they have. Uh, but Consolidated Supply... Uh, over at 1395 Niagara Road East, your first choice for irrigation, lawn issues, as well as golf, lawn, garden to golf. They've got the highest quality products, and exceptional, uh, exceptional customer service, obviously golf cars as well, new and used commercial club cars. Uh, one off, you want a special one for you that you can trick out and, you know, use the campsite throughout this season as well as ones larger ones for industrial purposes they're the club car dealer in manitoba they have got them all hot tubs outdoor kitchens they also handle small engine parts as well so listen i've got a lot going on over consolidated supply uh, give spicy and joe a call right now on what they can do for you and you can find out more online again at their new website which has just been relaunched at cte.ca um, I'm going to give a big shout out to our friends at, at uh, Vita Health Fresh Market as well, who've got great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. And with the kids back in school and viruses popping around, great immunity products like vitamin C and D for the whole family, and great school-friendly snacks and lunch items for the kiddos. And hey, for those of you that are on the run, also you can stop off at any of the seven Vita Health and get great, delicious, and healthy salad soup sandwiches from the Grab-and-Go Deli and more. 
Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And uh, hey, our friends at Wallace & Wallace want to remind you not to forget your garage door as you're working through your home winterization list. Summer rain, dirt, and dust can stain your door, so a quick pressure washer hose down with a mild soap or detergent will not only bright up your home's curb appeal, but also protect the life of your door. And if it isn't closing properly, be sure to check that your photo eye isn't blocked, dirty, or misaligned. If it's noisy, be sure to lubricate your rollers and hinges with a high-quality lithium or silicone-based grease. Don't use WD-40 as it can cause problems as temperature drops and don't lubricate nylon rollers. Hey, and you can also call Wallace & Wallace and take advantage of their winter maintenance program. It's their version of a medical checkup for your door. It'll get the full rubber glove treatment. Their technicians will poke and prod their way through a 21-point checklist, making sure your door is ready for the winter ahead. To book your service call, go to wallacedoors.com or give them a call at 452-2700. And you can always pop by in person at their showroom over on Lawson Road. All right, Jeff Hamilton with the latest on the Jets. We'll talk a little bombers as well with him later on. Liable was at the game on Saturday. Get his thoughts on the club and talk NFL. But right now, let's welcome in Blues analyst and former St. Louis Blue, Jamie Rivers, to look ahead to tonight's 7 p.m. puck drop between the Jets and the undefeated visiting division rivals. What's up, Jamie? Thanks for doing this. Anytime, guys. You know, I love being on here with you guys, so it's always a good time. Uh, you, you know, we were just joking off air that, um, you know, it took a while for the season to start for the Winnipeg Jets and the Jets played their opener, which was the Rangers third game of the season. And the Blues still hadn't played so far, but it took a little while. But man, three and oh, so far, I guess no complaints in Bluesville. Yeah, no complaints. I do know the players would have rather get a few more games under their belt early. It was interesting, you know, much like you guys, it was very interesting to start the season against a team that was playing three and four nights. And that's what happened with the Blue Jackets here for the Blues' first game of the season. But no, the the Blue Note, those guys are playing pretty well right now. Jordan Bennington, for me, is the story. You know, he's been fantastic. He was, well, he was incredible down the stretch last year and into the playoffs when he was called upon. And he's picked up right where he left off. It looks like he's 100% healthy and ready to go. You guys know, uh, you have an elite goaltender that can keep you in any game or steal you games. That's a huge part of winning in the NHL. Well, a little bit of a different situation for Bennington as well. I mean, listen, there is an established backup in Thomas Grace. I'm not sure how much we'll see him considering the way that he started. But last year, he was really pushed by Vili Husso, wasn't he? And uh, what did that do to Bennington? And how did that maybe prepare him to be the horse once again this season? Well, you know, Jordan Bennington's had the the, the crazy road to the NHL. We all know the, the history of playing in the minors down on the East Coast. He got loaned to a different organization's team while still property of the Blues. Then he gets called up, gets his chance, wins a Stanley Cup, figures, hey, I'm here to stay now. Well, you're never here to stay in the NHL unless you're performing. And, you know, so Billy Husso, who was actually, he was earmarked to be the goalie after Jake Allen, but he was injured. And Jordan Bennington kind of leapfrogged him in 2019 to take that spot from him. Well, Billy Husso's just continued to be a really good goalie in the meantime. And last year, he played very well. Obviously, he was great. And so that pushed Jordan Bennington into a backup role. He wasn't happy about it. Now, not like unhappy to where he wore it in the locker room and his teammates knew. No, he's a competitive guy. He's a fiery guy. And he was unhappy from the standpoint of, I feel like I've lost my job. I need to get it back. 
and he started to you know go back to square one and work with the goaltending coach and work with the other coaches. And he scratched and clawed his way back to where it was. At. It was a coin toss with the Wild when they started that series. Is it Huso or is it Bennington? They went with Huso very short leash on that one. And then they flipped the script to Bennington, and he hasn't looked back since. So bit of a different look again with Thomas Grice coming in here. But I don't think Jordan Bennington ever wants that feeling again like he's on the outside looking in. Well, I on a bit of a heater coming in here. I mean, it's one thing to throw up a goose egg in the NHL. It's another thing to do it on the road against Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh, fill us in on what we missed if we didn't see that game on the weekend. You know, the Blues, the first couple of games, Craig Ruby was was not thrilled with their defensive zone play. He said it's just kind of sloppy. There were turnovers. There were bad puck decisions, and you know something we got to tighten up. Which obviously, when you play very few games, it's hard to have that in-game, you know as far as transition to playing solid defense. So it's a lot of video, a lot of talking, a lot of, you know, the, the, the coaches board, but they got in against the Oilers and they shut down the middle of the ice. That was their main goal is we can't control the speed of Connor McDavid. can't control Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you're just foolish if you think you're going to outman those guys. You can't do it. So it has to be done by committee. And the Blues with five-man units went out there, used good angles, made sure they protected the middle of the ice and had layers of defense so that even if one guy got beat, there was somebody else that was there as a safety net. And when all hell broke loose, they were in a shot-blocking mode. Blocked the shots at all costs, and then Jordan Bennington was great as well. He didn't give up any meaty rebounds. There's no need for highlight reel saves. He was just quiet in the crease. So that was the formula for success against the others the other night. We'll see if they can continue playing solid like that. Jamie Rivers with us getting ready for Blues and Jets tonight, 7 p.m. at Canada Life Center. Um, we have seen a bit of a changeover in this Blues roster since they won the Cup. And listen, some of the familiar faces are still there and still contributing, but the future of this team in a lot of ways was locked up long-term with Kairou and Robert Thomas getting the eight-year extensions. Where are those guys amongst the pecking order of the leaders? I mean, they're very important players. Have they graduated into that next role, that next stage of their career in that Blues room? I think Robert Thomas has taken the role and ran with it. I really do. You know, this guy now, uh, Ryan O'Reilly is still your best all-around centerman. But Robert Thomas is your number one centerman. You can see with the minutes played, uh, with the offense that he's driving out there, and in big situations. It used to be an automatic that Ryan O'Reilly was taking all defensive zone face-offs in a close game. Not anymore. The other night, goalie pulled for the Oilers. It's Connor McDavid against Robert Thomas in the right side circle on his backhand taking that face-off. That's how much confidence Craig Berube and the Blues have in Robert Thomas right now, and he hasn't disappointed. He's doing great. So I think Robert Thomas, especially too with the media, you know, it's, it's weird how guys – develop a bigger relationship with the media as they become bigger leaders in the locker room. And so you're seeing a lot more face time now for Robert Thomas. A lot of things are being deferred to Robert Thomas, where it used to be David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Alex Petrangelo when he was here, Alexander Steen. You know, you go back and now it's Robert Thomas's turn to kind of, you know, take that baton and run with it. Um, so I see him really, you know, stepping to the forefront here. Jordan Cairo, I think it's going to be a little longer. You know, Jordan Cairo is a lot a lot more of a quiet personality. Um, he loves to play the game of hockey. He's a very explosive, dynamic, offensive guy. But I don't think it's a secret that he hasn't developed his 200-foot game yet. And Craig Berube, that's what he preaches. You, know, you can't play for the St. Louis Blues if you're just one-dimensional. We're not, you know, we're not deep enough with dynamic talent. You know, you're not the, the Nathan McKinnons, the Landis Coggs, all those guys. They're not on this roster, so it has to be a 
a group effort. So you can't have one guy that's kind of just going rogue and doing his own thing while everybody else is trying to play tight defensively. So I think it's going to take Jordan Kyrou just a little bit longer. But the upside to that is he has all the all the ability in the world to do whatever you ask him to do. He skates as good as anybody in the NHL. He handles a puck at top speed. He shoots the puck well. And if you have good speed and you compete, you can play defense in the NHL. Jamie, I'm not sure there's been a more interesting saga of a player in the league over the last couple of years than Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> Exposed, available for nothing, going into the expansion draft, on the trade block the entire year. No takers, a lot of concern about his health. Has a monster season last year, and now, as a pending UFA, pretty tidy start to the season with two points a game, and they're at the top of the Blues scoring list. I mean, I can't imagine the conversations you've had both on the broadcast, on ESPN in St. Louis over the last couple of years, but fill us in, people maybe that have been afar that haven't been paying attention to it. The the roller coaster of Tarasenko's last couple of years with the Blues, where he's at in his future, potentially. Like, is there a future beyond this season in St. Louis, the way he's playing? Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. But to take it, you know, the listeners behind the curtain a little bit here, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko has had injury troubles for a number of years leading up to last season. And he felt like it was mistreated by whomever. It's not my cho- not my spot to say whether the trainer, doctor, here, there, whatever. He just felt like he is... He did not get the proper treatment, so therefore he never got healthy and it affected his play. And he just said, I need a fresh start. I want to be, I want out of here. I want to go play somewhere else. I'm asking for a trade. However, dot, 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 I have a no trade clause and I can block any trade that you're going to try and throw out there unless it's one of these teams that I know is a Stanley Cup contender that's probably up against the cap anyways. And I've probably made your job impossible to move me. <laughs> However, I'd like to be traded. And so... That was the the dilemma that Doug Armstrong had is he had a, you know, very talented, dynamic hockey player, but he really didn't have anywhere to move him. Not because there were certain teams that didn't want him. They couldn't fit him onto the salary cap. So everybody got to training camp last year and said, hey, guess what? we got to play nice. And Army basically said, if you want out of here so bad, uh, make it so my phone doesn't stop ringing. Play that good that I have to start answering the phone on a daily basis for people that want to trade for you with legitimate trade offers. Well, whether that happened or not, I don't know. At one point, it felt like Vladimir Tarasenko alluded to the fact that he kind of rescinded his trade request, although not 100% clear. What is 100% clear is that he went out and dominated all season long. Played a really good season for the St. Louis Blues. He First time over 80 points for him. Uh, He was competing in all areas of the ice. He was a difference maker. And I think he found tremendous chemistry with Robert Thomas. And you add in Pavel Buchnevich over on the left side. They've had great success. But I think the key is Robert Thomas. He's got an elite player, an elite passer that thinks the game at the same level as him. And they had great success last year. And that has literally carried them over into this season to where they're having the same success. They're buzzing around out there. They're they're as good a duo as almost anybody in the NHL. I'm not going to get carried away here and say Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. However, I do put those two guys in the top five of duos in the NHL, and that speaks volumes as to how they're playing. So what the future looks like, I have no idea. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko is at well over two, what, two points a game right now. If he ends up in the 90 to 100-point range, he's going to command a lot of money on the open market. I don't think the Blues have the salary cap space in order to bring him back here, but stranger things have happened in this NHL. Well, there's no doubt about that, and – like, I think I'm sort of with you. I think he played so well, he made himself almost, he almost took himself off the trade market with what the Blues were trying to do last year. 
And, you know, for Doug Armstrong, who, you know, has Ryan O'Reilly as well as a pending unrestricted free agent at the end of this season, you know, you get into that very difficult time where you don't want to lose assets for nothing, but guys become so integral to what you're doing on the ice uh, you pretty much either have to roll the dice at the end of the season or figure out something during the year that doesn't involve packing bags. Yeah, so the Blues are in a tough spot, obviously. They've got Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly, both unrestricted free agents next year. You literally almost have to pick one or the other. Now, from a culture standpoint of what you've built your team around here in the last couple of years, it would seem like Ryan O'Reilly is the automatic choice here. Plus, I don't think he's going to ask for as much on the open market as Vladimir Tarasenko. He currently makes 7.5. I think Ryan O'Reilly probably has to take a little bit of a haircut in his next deal. Whereas Vladimir Tarasenko, he might want to stay at the 7 to $8 million range. So that might make the choice a little easier for the Blues. I'm actually a little surprised that Ryan O'Reilly hasn't been extended already. You know, Doug Armstrong's got a, a way of doing things around here. But honestly, it scares me a little bit because you had Alex Petrangelo, who coming off a Stanley Cup championship at the time, one of the top five defensemen in the NHL, and just let him walk. You thought for sure this is a marriage that's going to be forever. Alex Petrangelo retire a St. Louis Blue. Well, not the case, at least not right now anyways. David Perron, kind of the same thing. Now, David Perron kept finding his way back to St. Louis. Every time they trade him, he just kept coming back. He loves it here so much. So you figure, <laughs> okay. This is a match made in heaven. He's going to stick around. He wants to be here. His kids started school and hockey here. Well, not the case. It turns out that ultimately it, there was no deal to be had. Doug Armstrong walks away from the player. The player goes and signs in Detroit. So when you think it's an automatic, it's not around here. So when I think of Ryan O'Reilly, I think it's, that it's an automatic. I almost get more nervous than anything because I feel like every other time I felt this way, it hasn't worked out to where the player has stayed. So I still hope that cooler heads prevail. I still hope that both sides find somewhere in the middle where they can have a two or three year marriage beyond this season, because I think Ryan O'Reilly is a massive part of this organization. Uh, Jamie, speaking of the blue line, um, how's it looked so far? It, you know, they certainly, you know, got over Alex Petrangelo, but it's a very different blue line. I mean, you don't have a guy playing 31, 32 minutes a night. Um, how they've been so far and uh, who's Baruby leaning on the most? Well, you know, it started out a couple of years ago where Doug Armstrong said, you know, Colton Pareko is now the alpha dog. That is a direct quote from him. And Colton Pareko, since that point, he's kind of struggled with to find a partner. You know, he had Jay Bowmeister, and then we all know what happened with Jay Bowmeister. He had the unfortunate um, heart incident in Anaheim, and he had to retire and whatnot. Well, they've been trying to fill that void ever since to get Colton Pareko back to that shutdown defenseman that they know he can be. Well, they finally got Nick Letty last year at the trade deadline. And Nick Letty, and he checks all the boxes when it comes to a guy that plays well with Colton Pareko. So that, that duo has been very, very good so far this season. And for me, though, the best defenseman all around has been Justin Falk. This guy has been a machine. Two years in a row now where he's played very, very well for the Blues. And you know, it was tough his first year. Alex Petrangelo was still here, kind of an awkward situation. He, he was playing either third pair right side D or – Top four left-handed side is a right-handed shot. He didn't have a spot, per se. Well, as soon as he had a spot, he's taking the ball and run with it, and he's great. He's their best overall defenseman. He plays solid defensively, blocks shots. Uh, he's physical. He jumps up in the play. Heck, he's already got three goals so far this year. Uh, he's been outstanding. And then Tory Krug to round out the top four. He's still one of the best power play quarterbacks in the NHL. He is. He moves the puck so well. He thinks the game at a level that – 
Most guys don't. And the Blues power play, it's a direct reflection of how good Tory Krug is. The last two seasons, they've been in the top five and in the top three last year. And right now, they're still clicking at a pretty good pace. So the Blues top four, I would put them up against most teams in the NHL. Other bottom two, well, that's what you want. You got a couple of big bruisers. You got Nico Mikola and Robert Bortuzzo, some sandpaper there. The big boy, Mikola, he had eight hits against the Oilers the other night, and he's playing nasty and making it tough on the opposition. So, you know, overall, one through six, I'm really happy with this team. Jamie, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the guys that get a lot of the headlines within St. Louis and the more household names, but for fans that are going to Canada Life Center tonight or turning the game on to uh, watch the TV, is the player or two that we might not have seen or heard of before that we should be paying attention to that will be impactful blues this season? Knowing the fans in Winnipeg the way I do, have a look at Jake Neighbors. This guy, this young kid is, is, I mean, he's the Western Canadian kid. He goes to the net hard. He finishes his hits. He'll drop the gloves if he has to. He's got the silky mitts when need be. And he's just a lot of fun to watch out there. A lot of energy for sure. And another guy, Braden Shen. And I know he's a household name and he's a, a good old Sasky boy as well, but uh, he's fun to watch. He, he crashes and bangs out there. He's a lot like Jake Neighbors. You're going to get a lot of physicality. Uh, and, and you got a guy that competes extremely hard. You know, obviously the, mm-hmm. the, the big names, the marquee names, Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jordan Cairo, have fun watching those guys because you never know what can happen next. They're so amazing and so talented uh, that they never disappoint. Well, and I guess, Shen, I mean, the versatility of Braden, um, you know, on display tonight, because with Buchnevich out for another game, um, you know, he'll just slide up with uh, Tarasenko and Thomas and uh, not a bad spot to be hit. Yeah, no, he's and he's great for it, too, because, you know, he understands his role on that line. He understands that he's the hunter out there. He's got to go and get on on the forecheck and create separation, create the turnover and, and grind down low, get those guys the puck and then get to the front of the net. And he's smart enough to identify that. And the Blues are deep enough. That, what a luxury to have, you know, the ability to put Bar- Ivan Barbashev at center ice in your third line and when you move Braden Shen up and down your lineup. They, the Blues have a lot of guys in their top nine that can play almost everywhere. Heck, they have a couple of guys in their fourth line. If, you know, if an emergency happened, those guys could play up the roster as well. Uh, but, no, I love Braden Shen. He, he's one of my favorite players to wear a blue note. And, uh, yeah, certainly always a good time watching him. Jamie, not not too sure how much of the Jets you've seen this year, but just uh, thoughts on them going into this season and early on from elsewhere in the Central. You know, it's interesting. Kind of keeping an eye on them. It's under new leadership. Obviously, Rick Bonus. Uh, I've known Bones for uh, forever. I mean, he's a guy that's been in the NHL for I don't even know how long. But you know, he brings a, a different look to the team, a different attitude. Obviously, you've got the captaincy that's been moved around. Uh, I don't know exactly why or what happened there. I thought that... You know, I thought Blake Wheeler was doing an okay job. Maybe it'll help him. Maybe it'll help him just focus on playing hockey. I know Mark Shifley is a leader as well there. So I'm anxious to see those guys get after it. Uh, you know, it, overall, just anxious to see the team play under Rick Bonus. You know, elsewhere in the Central, there has been some interesting uh, interesting starts. First of all, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota gave up, what, 20 oh. in their first uh, the first oh. three games and then finally got that win over the Vancouver Canucks. And listen, I don't think anyone's expecting very much from Arizona or really Chicago, but it leaves the rest of the group. I think we all sort of agree that Colorado is the team to beat. I mean, a, a very interesting battle really for teams two through six when it comes to this division right now. Yeah, it's a race for second. I think that's the best way to look at it. Certainly, if you can if you can stay right on the heels of the avalanche and for some reason compete there, well, obviously you're going to. 
But in my eyes, it's a race for second. And the teams that were in that that bucket were, you know, the Blues, the Predators, the Wild, the Jets. You know, these are guys that you're like, okay, I expect these guys to all be bad and toot the nail for that spot. A couple of bad starts for some of those teams. And, you know, it makes a difference. And you jump out ahead. The Blues have been playing pretty well. And I know that uh, the Predators, you know, are get, getting going. You guys are getting going. The Wild have not played very well at all. So, you know, it, it's a – like I said, it's a race for second in that division, but the central division is always an absolute gauntlet to play. Even with the lower bottom teams, the bottom feeders, all those guys are competing hard for jobs. And here in St. Louis, whenever we play the Blackhawks, it's always a tough game. Jamie, this is a heck of a lot of fun. It should be an interesting game tonight. Uh, always a lot of energy on the ice when these two teams, uh, very familiar foes, get together. And this will be game one of the season. Thanks so much for doing this. Hopefully you can catch up again later on the season. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff with Riv. Uh, always, always fun talking to Jamie, one of the uh, great members of that St. Louis media group and obviously knows a thing or two about the game, having been a longtime NHLer as well. All right, Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a couple of minutes. Don't forget, why not question of the day is up. Who won the weekend? The uh, best, not the worst, the best of the weekend. We talked a little bit of what the Manitoba Moose did. Of course, the Winnipeg Ice continue their winning ways. And plenty of uh, goodies. Well, and the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend in the National Football League. Hit us up in the comments of the YouTube channel. And uh, what was another great thing that happened on this weekend is the big Tesla event through today over at Not Auto Corp. Of course, Not and the gang have been the leaders in Tesla sales for about 10 years here in Winnipeg with my Tesla Winnipeg. And, uh, Big event on the weekend with a thousand dollar financing credit or gift cards. And it is, if you've never tried or been in one of these electric vehicles, um, you really got to do it before you make a decision on another car. I mean, it is the way of the future, and with gas prices are what they are right now, sure it's pretty attractive thinking about uh, taking advantage of the cheaper hydro we have here in Winnipeg as opposed to what gas is costing right now. Uh, they've got overnight or weekend-long Tesla experience as well available with your opportunity to learn about electric vehicles and technology from the Tesla experts. Payments from $4.99 biweekly and, of course, no gas expenses. It's all there at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see him. My guy, Andre Clark, the new sales manager there as well. Say hi to Andre and uh, Waverly and McGilvery. And, of course, you can check them out online as well as my Tesla Winnipeg, Winnipeg Car Lab, and more. All there, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Well, big win for the Chiefs yesterday, but whoever your NFL team is, Royal Sports has you covered with the best in NFL merchandise and gear from all 32 teams, but it's not just the National Football League. You know that they are the Winnipeg fan headquarters, whether you're looking for one of thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise of course, the bomber gears. We get ready for the playoffs, and they look for a three-peat. Um, we've also got the best selection, maybe from Vancouver to Toronto, of Canada soccer gear as we get ready for Canada to play in the World Cup. Hard to believe that that is less than one month away right now. Uh, and, of course, Royal has been the undisputed, undefeated, heavyweight champion of all things hockey for over 40 years, whatever you need for the player in your family, Royal has it, including expert skate sharpening. All there at 750 Pemina Highway. 
Make sure to follow him on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, we're finalizing the date for the upcoming suit show. We're looking forward to it because, of course, we got geared up from Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel. We've got a great deal right now. If you are in need of a big wardrobe refresh, custom suits that begin at 400 bucks. Buy one, get one 30% off. Um, great if you're a guy that you know wears a suit every day to work or just uh, maybe you lost a few pounds or gained a few over the course of the pandemic and need to step it up. Andrew and the gang have you entirely covered. And another great deal right now, for those of you involved in a wedding coming up next summer, if you and the wedding party get booked and fitted before the end of November, Everyone in the wedding party will get a free shirt and 10% off their suits. Could save up to $130 per person. Find out more. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown or online. You can always make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H apparel.com. And hey, before I bring in the hammer, this is a, uh, a great day. If you're thinking about maybe heading out to Boston Pizza on the weekend or, uh, you know, for the game, you can double up for both both Monday Night Football and, of course, the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Uh, right now, the fall menu is cracking. I, the creamy carbonara pizza, amazing. Had it last week. Love it. Spicy buffalo mac and cheese and the craveable jalapeno popper dip. Uh, we should give a uh, shout-out to Bernard Putzky. Bernard won the grand prize win of the first of two trips He's heading to Vegas for an amazing long weekend with the Golden Knights on Saturday, then the Raiders-Colts game Sunday. And when you watch the NFL at Boston Pizza, chow down on pizza flights, get a nice cold bud for 5 bucks, and you can enter to win the second grand prize for an NFL-NHL weekend on New Year's Eve featuring the Raiders and 49ers and the Golden Knights and Blues on New Year's Eve. Watch every game at Boston Pizza. And, of course, for Jets fans as well, you can spin the... Uh, the prize wheel and be entered to win a VIP night out for four at the game, including lower bowl tickets and a dinner for four at BP city place. Watch the NFL and the jets and enter to win at any local Boston pizza. All right, let's get hammer in here. We've got a lot to talk about jets, a little bit of a CFL uh, story coming out of uh, well, the weekend. RIP Saskatchewan rough riders, 2022, uh, but let's get to it. Hammer. What's up? How was your weekend? Hey, not bad, Huss. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, it was good. It was, um, I was, uh, I'd mentioned at uh, well, last time we got together on Monday last week for my usual hit that I was headed down south to small town USA. Well, since you asked me about my weekend, I was in Steubenville, Ohio. I was uh, at the, home, the, the hometown of Zach Claris, uh, trying to figure out where it all began for uh, the Bombers QB for an, upcoming, uh, for an upcoming profile I'll be doing on on Zach uh, in the coming weeks. So I was down in what they would call big red country out in uh, Steubenville, Ohio, where the uh, Steubenville high, where Zach played for the Steubenville high school, big red um, for anyone that doesn't know his history there. Um, you know, as impressive as he's been with the bombers with a 31 and four record as a starter, he was 30 and zero in his two seasons as the quarterback for Steubenville high school, leading the team to two of its four state championships. So, Certainly a, a well-known guy there of a town of 15,000. So I got the full uh, Steubenville experience through the weekend. And I look forward to, uh, you know, 
putting that together over the coming weeks here, getting ready for you get uh, to the some Friday night lights there uh, in, in Steubenville. I did. I went to a Friday night game, Friday night lights with the whole band and everything. It really is. It really is very much like out of the, uh, out of the movies or out of the TV shows, you know, the whole town bleeds red, uh, big red that is. And, you know, it was, it was certainly an experience. So to be able to steal some time with some of Zach's, former teammates, you know, and still friends to talk to family, to talk to teachers, to talk to coaches, anybody really um, was a, was a great experience. And as I said, I look forward to, to putting that piece together for, for the readers. Well, that'll be perfect. And hopefully Zach has a couple more wins up his, uh, up his sleeve uh, and a third championship for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Listen, I want to get to the Jets, but while we kind of, you mentioned football, um, the riders are done. You had some great tweets on the weekend talking about what's happened to Saskatchewan. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm surprised. I didn't think that they would be this bad this year, especially after the start that they had. But it has just been, um, it's like been like a slow swirl around the bowl before officially being flushed out on the weekend. Um, you know, we know who's going to be playing in the playoffs right now, but what do you think the uh, aftermath of this is going to be in Ryderville? missing the playoffs in a year that they're hosting the Grey Cup. I mean, this is almost rock bottom for a team that may not have won a ton, but, you know, has been competitive and had very high hopes for this year. Well, that's it, right? I mean, leading into this season under, you know, head coach Craig Dickinson, you know, general manager Jeremy O'Day, you know, the records were there, right? I mean, they were competitive. Um, Of course, the Bombers bounced them from the playoffs the last two seasons. Um, They still had the win-loss record. They still had something to be proud of. after those seasons this year was really ever since the Garrett Marino hit um, and and ensuing fallout. It's just been, as you so eloquently put it, you know, swirling the bowl to to a final flush, which was this weekend and a loss to Calgary. And of course, Hamilton winning this week and somehow, somehow coming from seemingly out of it months ago to very much in it and a shot at the great cup. um, You know, I think the mood there is pretty, pretty down, obviously, you know, it's, it's more it's more than just, you know, a, a win-loss record for them, right? It's been a bit of a disaster all season long. Again, I bring up the Marino hit and the fallout from that and how the team handled it, you know, all the way kind of, you know, all the way up the up the ladder to to how the fans feel like they're they're being treated, you know, and you know, in some cases disrespected. I mean, I, as you mentioned my tweet out yesterday, um, you know, and we've talked about this. So I've talked about this in my weekly CFL rundown. Yeah, it's column. not new. You know, I've talked about this on your show. Just you know, they seem they seem to be hitting new lengths of of being a disaster, and and this kind of just put the exclamation mark on it. And what should have been a, a great year for for fans in Ryderville. And my tweet, you I mean, obviously had nothing to do with the fans. I mean, the 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 Bombers, you know, claim and perhaps rightfully so to have the loudest fans in the you know, in the CFL and the, and the attendance numbers check out, right? This is the year where Winnipeg will probably, well, most definitely it seems like we'll, we'll, we'll lead the attendance for the first time in several years, eclipsing Saskatchewan. Um, that's a pretty big deal. But as loud as the fans are in Winnipeg, there's no doubt that fans in Saskatchewan are amongst the best in the three-down loop. I mean, they travel well. They support their team through and through. And judging by my, you know, messages, my you know, whether it was caught, whether it was replies to the tweet or whether it was, you know, people, people sliding into my DMs and sharing their, their feelings about the season. And that includes current and former employees um, telling me I'm bang on that this is, you know, this, this is a, you know, an organization that is, you know, has, has taken their fan base for granted for too long that, 
you know, it was, it's been mostly about the product and, a, you know, feel, feel good for having kind of a team complex. Um, place. um, you know, that's, uh, that, that's certainly the case. And, you know, my tweet uh, seemed to work because president and CEO Craig Reynolds called me as I got onto the plane, leaving, leaving Pittsburgh airport. So we had a How's convers- that convo. We had a conversation for about 10, 15 minutes. It wasn't 140 characters. It was about 10 minutes long. You know, I voiced some of the concerns that I'd been hearing, some of the concerns I've lived first experience, um, you know, and, and we've agreed to, to talk at Grey Cup this year. Um, and really, you know, I, you know I'll, we'll see, you know, talk is cheap. You know, I, I said that essentially. I mean, we can talk about it all day long, but, you know, it looks like he's willing to chat and, and you know, move in the right direction. And I think he has to. I mean, this has been a, a situation where the bottom line's being affected. And we all know how important the bottom line is to the CFL and particularly the riders. So um, I see better days ahead. But, you know, that, that tweet of mine was, was more, an, you know, encompassing of, you know, an organization that should be the leaders in everything. You know, that's the thing. I, that was probably the biggest takeaway from our conversation is that the Rough Riders are the flagship organization. Of this. They absolutely they were. are. They, they are. were. Well, yeah, they were, but they bump everybody else's, you know, eyeballs when it comes to TV numbers. You know, there's a reason why they're the team that they send out east for the Atlantic showdown because they know they're going to get, you know, they know they're going to fill the stands with Rough Rider fans. So as part of being the flagship or once the flagship of the CFL, you should be setting the example for everybody else from how you treat your fans to how, you know, accessible you are. The, the, the CFL likes to brag about, you know, the difference in, you know, between them and, and, you know, particularly the NFL is how accessible they are. Well, that's not the case in Saskatchewan. It hasn't been for some years. And so, you know, that wasn't necessarily my goal from the tweet, but I certainly think that uh, as a positive result, that uh, conversation is starting to be had and hopefully change will be made down there. Hey, just quick before we get to the Jets, uh, how do you think the Bombers handle this week? We did see that Ellingson and um, Wolitarski were back practicing with the first team offense today. I'd imagine they'd love to get those guys in. What about Zach? What about some of the other most important players on the team, considering they just finished a bye and have earned a bye in the first week of the playoffs? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people have, you know, and, and understandably compared this to last season, right? They punched, the, the Bombers punched their ticket. Uh, you know, they, they clinched the, the West, so punched their ticket to the West final, you know, a month before the playoffs began, much like they did, did this season. And um, so I understand the comparison between this year and last year, but there is a bit of a difference. This year was, you know, they, this year was, they, they had the bye week, of course, through the West final, but they're playing the last week of the regular season. Um, last year, their bye week was at the end of the regular season, and they also had the bye week through the West final. So they had two weeks off. In this case, they'll have one week off between games, assuming that, that you know, you know, guys like Zach Clar- Claros or other players get, you know, get action this week. I think if you're asking me my guess, and I think that's what you are, doing is I think that they I think Zach will play a a quarter or a half much like he did last season and I think you know other starters will also do that I don't think they want to have them sitting out two straight weeks um without any action and so I think this is although it's a bit it's not you know completely the same it's also it's not completely different either and so I think that they'll have Zach playing I think they'll have you know Adam Big Hill they'll have everybody who is healthy enough to play some of the game and then probably be out at half just so they get their reps in. So they're not, you know, that rest versus rust situation. And you try to mitigate, you know, any potential for injury. And we know Mike O'Shea really isn't a what if guy. He's not asking himself, what if 
Zach gets hurt if he plays one series or more series, right? And I think, you know, if you ask a guy like Zach Kolaris, I think he wants to play. I think he understands he's not why he didn't play last week in particular, but I think he's going to want to get it. And then, then as you mentioned, um, you know, Greg Allingson, Drew Wolitarski, anybody else who's hasn't got in, in for the last few weeks, Jackson, Jeff code included, you want to, you want to get back and feel good. I mean, I know you want to save your healthiest for, uh, you know, for the playoffs, you want to make sure that you're, you know, at full health. But if those guys are feeling like they can play, and it sounds like they are, that now they're back at practice, that being Drew Olatarski and, and Greg Ellingson specifically, it only makes sense that you would test it in this game so that you could that you feel that confidence heading into the playoffs and you're not feeling a bit tentative. Because even guys like Brandon Alexander, who missed, you know, months with his knee injury, there was a little bit of a, you know, broke uh, evolution on him getting back into the game like he you know he, it took him a couple of plays took him a couple of series to feel good he'd rather that you know couple of plays couple of series to be in a nothing regular season game than those couple of series be in a playoff game and maybe you can't play or maybe you get injured um so i think that's what they're going to do and the rest of the people who are banged up or hurt are going to sit out not everyone's going to play they're going to give opportunity to depth players like they did last week um, sorry, not this past week, the week before against BC and, and get those valuable reps for in the event somebody gets, you know, injured. You don't have a guy who hasn't seen live bullets uh, or at least has more reps in those games if he does have to fill in. All right, Hammer, let's get to uh, the Jets. A uh, big game tonight in the division at home against the St. Louis Blues coming off that um, disappointing loss to the Leafs on Saturday night. Teams two and three. Listen, before we talk uh, about this game tonight, the upcoming week and get your thoughts on the first five games. Um, you, you were you at the rink this morning or no? I wasn't at the rink this morning. No. So, uh, you know, we sort of described it at the beginning. Um, but I don't want to kind of get into a big conversation about the lines and the power play and everything. Um, oh, no. without just mentioning the concern about Rick Bonus, that was. I mean, you've been in a ton of those, yeah. a, a ton of press really uh, conferences before, and um, that was pretty clear that you know Rick, whether it was just a very isolated episode, um, was dealing with something. And um, I think the first thing we should mention that I think anyone, whether you're a fan of the team, whether you're covering the team, whether you're around it, um, everyone I think legitimately concerned and hoping for the best for Rick Bonus, who, you know, from all accounts had a really rough ride over the course of a week with COVID. And I think if we saw anything out of that today, when he was in a little bit of distress, is going through the. Uh, the motions in front of the microphone that um, it might be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he wasn't behind the bench right now. And first things first, he's got to get right personally and healthy. Well, and I saw some whispers about that um, from, from concerned fans kind of when we were reporting on the timeline, right? It was like he got tested positive for COVID um, leading into the, leading into the home opener. Um, and then, you know, it was like he tested positive that day, because he had felt some symptoms and all of a sudden the talk was, well, he's hopefully he's back for the road trip, right? Hopefully he's back in the mandated five days treating him as if he was like Mark Shifley or Blake Wheeler or guys who, you know, guys who are in their, you know, late twenties or, or, you know, early to mid thirties. We're talking about a guy who's 67 years old. You know what I mean? His body is not, you know, his body is not the same way. His immune system is not the same you know, strength as a, as a professional athlete, he's a professional coach. So I, I saw some early kind of comments from, from concerned fans and, you know, I never really thought about it. I just looked at the timeline. Okay. This is when the jets think he'll be back. You know, I think you have a tendency to kind of think of COVID as, as, although we know, you know, there's been certainly a, you know, a drastic impact, not just, you know, here in Winnipeg or Manitoba or across the country, but across the world. 
um, by the COVID-19 um, virus, coronavirus. But, um, you know, you kind of th- tend to think with athletes under, you know, the, the, whether it be hockey or any other sport, kind of be a bit of a nothing burger. You know, you kind of think of it as like, OK, we'll just kind of it'll be a couple of days and they'll be back at it. And that's certainly been the case for a majority of athletes. I don't know if it's clearly not the same case for a 67 year old head coach. So I share the same concern as you and others out there for him. And I think, I think it's only smart that he does what's best for him that he, you know, that he recognized because, you know, I, I didn't watch the thing, but I was talking to some, you know, the, the press conference, but I was talking to some colleagues and, you know, he didn't look good. Right. I mean, and he had to, he had to end things early. I'm not, you know, this is a guy who I'm not going to say absolutely loves, you know, talking to the media, but he doesn't hate it. So it wasn't like his excuse to kind of to get out of there or a hard question or anything. He was reeling from some of the effects. And I don't know about you, Huss. I, I've had, you know, I've, I've had COVID once. Um, some of the effects lingered. Some didn't come on for, for you know, days or in some cases weeks later. Um, so who knows what, you know, what his battle is going to be with it. But I think, you know, as you said, I'll echo what you said. I think at this point in time, the, the concern from the Jets organization needs to be his health first and foremost, um, because he's got capable hands, you know, helping him out. I know he wants to be in there. I know he wants to be the voice. I know he's the leader of this coaching staff and team. Um, but you have, you know, you have the capable hands of Scott Arneal, um, you know, Brad Lauer, Marty Johnston, you know, those guys can, uh, those guys can certainly do, you know, they can take on what, what, whatever absence uh, Rick bonus needs for for him to get better and um you know obviously hope for a speedy recovery and and a a quick return to the bench yeah it'll be certainly something we'll be paying close attention to as we get into tonight's game oh and by the way i'm uh, jumping on with the uh, ob guys tonight on the pregame show just after five if you want to join us for that um two and three excuse me two and three um you know the home opener went very well Last week, not so much, although they did get a win in Colorado, which I don't think very, very many people had on. Um, and New York, and, for that matter. Well, well, for sure, the New York game, hey, it was great to you know get that win, and you know they took advantage of a good spot for them on the schedule as opposed to uh, to New York, and those are going to happen on, you know, in, in both ways. Um, but as far as where this team is right now, I mean, I've said I'm going to you know kind of reserve. M- big blanket judgments for 10, 15, maybe 20 games. But I find this game is huge. I mean, you don't want to start off two and four, you know, going on the road for some more difficult games, although you do have one in Zona mixed in there. Um, But it's hard to make too many things do just because we've seen one game with Rick Bonus on the bench, albeit everyone's pulling in the same direction as far as the coaching standpoint. Um, Where are you at right now with the start and what we've seen so far through five games of the Winnipeg Jets because at times I think there's been some things that have looked good, but certainly over the course of the last week, going back to that Dallas game and really being the second best team on the ice, in my opinion, against the Leafs on Saturday night, you realize that, you know, you can have great feelings and vibes around a team, but there is a long way for this team to go to be competing with the top echelon of clubs in the NHL. Absolutely. I mean, and I think it was a little bit like every season has that new sense of optimism, right? I mean, they have, you know, it was a pretty grueling off season for the fans and um, you know, no, no real moves made a lot of guys out the door, not a lot of guys coming back in, uh, you know, a, a very much a run it back kind of feeling to this season. Um, and then you have people coming out writing about how they're going to make the playoffs. And, and you know what I mean? They would just, it just, there was just this optimism, Brewing from 
you know, camaraderie and a, and a nice, you know, hangout in Banff. Like that, that's somehow going to fix what ails this team. And, you know, when you think about it, there's a lot of moving parts with this club, despite it being a lot of the same faces. We all know about the, we all know about the, the change in systems. That's going to take time to adjust there. You know, it was growing pains was essentially the theme of, of training camp hanging into the season that, you know, they were learning and they were learning fast and they seemed to be picking up on on what, what Rick Bonus wanted them to play and the style in which they wanted them to play. But those were that wasn't going to happen in three weeks and a handful of, of, uh, of uh, preseason games, several of which did not have, if any of them, besides maybe the last one, had their full lineup in it. Um, so there was always going to be growing pains. And the other part to it is they also had a culture change. They're trying to do a culture change and they're trying to, you know, have more voices in there. And so other guys have the burden of leadership. And so they're trying to figure that part out on the fly. And that's that's a lot to ask for from a team. And then there was the whole thing. And we've talked about this. Like, I don't have the Jets making. You know, if, if this is going to be successful, I think it's going to be a two year project for for Rick Bonus because we got to figure out if this team has the mental fortitude to actually do an aggressive style of hockey. You know, it's great that you have a coach who can explain to you and answer questions better than Paul Maurice. I think that's been the biggest takeaway um, from this year and last season, at least when you, you know, when you talk to the players is the, you know, this coaching staff is a lot more, you know, sit down, explain X's and O's. So if you have questions, they already have the answers kind of thing. I don't think the players got a lot of that, uh, with Paul Maurice, but the expectations were the same. Paul Maurice wanted this team to play an aggressive style of hockey. That wasn't different. You know, this team just couldn't play an aggressive style of hockey. And when they didn't get the answers to the questions they had, they often reverted back to doing their own thing. And sometimes it worked in high scoring goals and it was exciting, but more often than not, it was brutal. It was just bad hockey. It was bad defensive structure. It was guys not knowing what to do. So I think the big question mark here. Is, is this team mentally strong enough to stick with that game? I think they're physically strong enough. I mean, all we hear about is that this is a good skating team and a talented team, so I don't think that's the problem. I wonder if they're mentally strong enough to stick to this while they're not getting the results. And so if you look at the 3-2 and two mark right now, not all that surprised. If anything, kind of surprised that they beat the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado and beat New York. Um, two very good teams. I think a lot, two teams that a lot of people have meeting possibly in the Stanley Cup this year. So those are definitely the, the uh, you know, the, the positives to look at. But I think this is going to be a 500-looking team until that consistency comes into play. And will that consistency come at a point in the season early enough so that they can start getting on the right side of 500 to the point where they can punch their, you know, punch their ticket to the playoffs? You know, I think this team is a bubble team. I think you know, this team will remain a bubble team. It's interesting that you mentioned you're sort of thinking two years. Because in theory, I think in a normal situation, that would probably be very fair. You bring in a guy to come in. You try to get some of those changes. You hope that you build a lot. And maybe you make the playoffs in the first year. But you're looking to build that foundation, pour the concrete, if you will, and you know continue to move. This team doesn't have two years. Well, that's all they have with... Mark Shifley, potentially Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck. And that's why, Jeff, that's why, I mean, I don't want to overreact too much to one game or the first five games of the season. But I'll tell you this, when we get to Christmas, when we get to 25 games in, past the American Thanksgiving, 
and you're looking at where this team is right now, how it's shaping up in the Central Division, um, at a certain point, Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be forced to make some decisions, whether you're re-signing guys, whether you're trading them. And I'll tell you what, if this season does not go the way that they and Jet fans hope, there will come a time before this year's trade deadline when you may have to make very significant decisions on some of the most important players on this hockey club, which makes the thought of working through this year and making it happen next year sort of not compute with the situation contract-wise within the club, not to mention Rick Bonus as a two-year deal. No, and of course I had that in mind when I made the two-year comment. But my point into that is saying that when I say two years, I don't mean that this needs to be a, this particular season is a lost season. That they that they that they shouldn't try to work towards the playoffs. I just think they need to do enough this season to convince the likes of the players you're talking about, whether that be Mark Shifley, whether that be Pierre Luc Dubois, that the future looks bright. Mm-hmm. Because last season the future didn't look bright. And it was no it was no surprise that guys like Mark Shifley were frustrated. Guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois weren't willing to talk a long-term extension. I mean, when I, when we did the off-season interviews with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I prefaced my question with being like, I don't think, why would anyone want to re-sign here long-term? What did you get last season? And this is before Rick Bonus was even hired as a head coach. They didn't even have a head coach at the time. You know, why would anybody in their right mind in their early 20s sign long commitment to a team that didn't even know who their head coach was and had absolutely no idea what direction they were headed? That needs to be figured out this season. And so, sure, you can look at this year's trade deadline. If the Jets fall off a cliff, you know, by that deadline, then there might be some obvious choices. There might be some big moves made. But I can see them. We've seen them be patient, stubborn, whatever you want to call it, you know, with this roster. And you have to think under a new coach that they have a lot of trust and respect for that they're going to give them a season because, you know, we know and understand that their value of these players is it becomes higher with more years of control. But, but if you're thinking about your own organization and the future success, you're betting on yourself. You're betting that this organization can somehow figure it out and prove to players that they're headed in the right direction, whether that means a playoff. I think it probably does mean you have to punch your, you know, ticket into the playoffs. I can't see a second straight year of not making the playoffs being enough of a sales pitch, regardless of how good of a guy Rick bonus and his staff might be. So I think that there is a lot of pressure here, but that is not going to be, so that is, you know, that tells me it's not going to be abandoned by the trade deadline that they're going to, that they're going to, you know, give Rick an entire season to evaluate this team see the players who fit within the system, hope, possibly even pray that there's some level of consistency this year. And you, you know, you are one of the playoff teams that, 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 that is able to compete. Um, and then, then go to next year. So you look at the different milestones here coming up, whether it's this trade deadline, unless again, I, if, unless things fall off the, the rails or go off the rails, I don't think that they're going to make any moves, but if they, if they aren't able to prove, and I think they're going to get their answer this offseason for one way or the other, particularly with players like Mark Scheifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois, then you start making the moves you never made last summer, this summer. So well, like- here, here's the other thing, and shout out to Maul, who's back. I always enjoy Maul popping in in the chat. Um, what does he say? He said, oh, it's like, you know, like some of those moves we should have made this, this offseason. Right. And, well, listen, no if the moves no are, if you're talking that. about extending players... Dubois, you could. Shifley, Hellebach, none of those guys you can extend until that final um, right. final year of the contract, so that's not there. But, I mean, I've said 
And this was sort of a common topic on the program that, you know, we knew that some things you would assume were going to go one way or the other. And it was sort of like Kevin Sheveldayoff drove the car to the fork in the road and just threw it in neutral. And we've been sort of idling there right now. And that's Art sort of you can sign to a contract extension though next season. So like, you know what I mean? You got one more year after this. Yeah, but you can't do it now. Like you, no, you not you, now. You, that's what I'm talking about. Next summer. It, You're going to know by next summer for sure. But here's the thing. And I'm not sure you can even wait on a couple, a player like that of Mark Shifley. I mean, it, and they know more about him than anybody. He's been here for his entire career. Um, and this is part of the reason why I was talking last year about potentially considering trading Mark Shifley was not that the guy can't play or anything like that, is that he's such an important asset and player on this team. If you come to the point where you don't think that he is going to be the guy, and think about what that investment's going to cost all years on the other side of 31, which historically don't um, don't age as well as the ones coming out of guys in their ELCs. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you realize that, the, there's a fundamental value to getting a player like that for two seasons or at least for two playoff runs. And that's why I'm not convinced that. And again, Hey, hopefully we're talking about a team that plays well and is in the mix. And you know, it's not next year time at that point, but if the jets get to that point and they're eight or 10 points out of the playoffs and it doesn't look like that happens, then I think it would be almost negligent to not seriously consider making some of those moves at that point getting more value of the club and then using the rest of this point or the rest of the season, you know, to be playing some of those younger players that might have an opportunity of being a bigger part of next season that could benefit from the NHL stuff. And Dubois, Absolutely, is very no similar. doubt. If you're double digits out by the, out of the playoff position for the, at the trade deadline this year, that's off the rails. You know, yeah. like that you, you need to be, it's not great. If you're, if you're eight ten or if you're eight ten points above five hundred is not a good spot. You might be eight ten points out of the playoffs in that regard. So that would be my definition of off the rails. If you're if you're double digit points outside of the playoff line, yeah, absolutely, you're making decisions. But I don't think that that that's not what they're envisioning, and that's obviously what they're hoping. And when I say convincing players, Huss, I I mean convincing them that the future is bright. I'm not saying that they need to go on a deep playoff run, but they need to make the playoffs, and they ultimately need to get an answer. You're going to get your answer this summer one way or another because they're either going to sign with you multi-year deals or they're not and then the then the clock is ticking once the clock starts ticking by the summer then there's derelict of duty at play here because the, you know it's one thing to to see a player walk and, and do a playoff you know have them for a you know a meaningful playoff run it's a whole other thing to go into a season as a lame duck and and then you know and then lose them for nothing. That's not going to be the case. I mean, we've seen inaction before. That's next level inaction. There's absolutely no way whether it's ideal time, an, a, a year and a half before the contract is, where the deadline, you know, at the deadline or over the summer or at next year's trade deadline, which I think would be a massive failure for this organization if they dealt, you know, a guy like Mark Shifley at next year's at next year's uh, you know trade deadline. Not only for the fact that they're clearly not making the playoffs, what would be a third straight year. But that they're getting rid of a guy who has so you know who still has a lot of value at the worst possible time, absolutely. So if it's not this trade deadline, upcoming trade deadline this season, it's definitely this summer to get an answer one way or another. And whether Mark Shifley is saying he wants to be in Winnipeg or not, money is going to talk, and the contract status is going to reveal exactly how guys like him and Pierre Dubois feel by the, by this summer.
And, and listen, as important as Mark Shifley is right now as the as the guy in the middle of that top line, to me, it's Dubois because of his age and Hellebuck because of his importance or, or of the club. Or I mean, the two players that, I mean, you would like to have a better idea in four months as to what the potential of keeping those guys uh, around is. Right. Because the value of both of those players far higher if you're talking about two playoff runs to a team that might be getting without any guarantees that they're keeping them long term um when we know how important that Pierre-Luc Dubois can be in playoff style hockey I mean he's been engaged he was very very much into it on Saturday night and the elephant in the room is Hellebuck because I mean we almost take him for granted as to how reliable he is he's there night in and night out God, we had enough talking about the backups last week with Eric Comrie's strong performance and Big Save Dave's first start for the Jets. But really, this is about Hellebuck, and that is the player. I mean, if you ever moved on, and I mean, I listen, I can handle a lot of changes. I love having a guy like that here. I love him, everything about him. But, you know, if you do get to that point where you have the inkling that he's not in long-term either, Again, the timing of making those deals is so, so important. And, you know, again, we're getting on down the road. But to back it up to right now with a game like tonight, this upcoming road trip, the next month and a half, we know how important the start of the season is. And I really do think that despite the fact that we probably should realize things are going to take a little while if you want to see real significant improvement and structural change and all of those things, the Jets don't have a ton of time to announce themselves as in the mix right now in the central division and tell you what playing from a deficit after a tough first 10 games of the season, not a great way to make that happen, which makes this game tonight against the St. Louis blues, this upcoming road trip and the series of home games at the beginning of November, in my opinion, as very, very important in the present for this club, as well as guiding Chicago off as to some big decisions that we just mentioned. Yeah, so it's just, you know, to be captain obvious here, playoff teams put together, you know, multi-game win streaks, not multi-game losing streaks. And so to steal, you know, the words from Pierre-Luc Dubois post-game after Toronto's loss was that's their second straight loss in a row. You know, every, every loss sucks, um, but every consecutive loss is even worse. You don't want to lose two games in a row. So you look at, you know, hanging in tonight, you don't want to lose three games in a row. You know, you got to get back on the other side and, and you're, you're, you're bang on, especially for this team. I mean, it is not an easy situation for this club. Um, you know, they've been, you know, they've been hit a lot over the last couple of years and, and it doesn't matter. No one's feeling sorry for yourself. No one cares about your schedule. Nobody cares about um, injuries and what you're dealing with. Uh, it's a, it's a results-based business. And so, they can't fall behind, you know, they can't fall behind that 500 line. They can't fall behind that playoff line. And they certainly can't be there in a month's time. So to get back into that conversation, you need to start putting together wins. I forget what year it was. It's a few years now with COVID. I feel like it's got to add every, you know, a couple of years onto everything that your, your memory is, you know, trying to recall. But there was a year where the, the, um, the Nashville Predators started the season like 10 and 1. It was just this absolute run out of the gate. You start a season at 10 and one, you can kind of go 500 the rest of the year and still make the playoffs. So you can be a mediocre team by being a hot team for like six, seven weeks. And the same thing works against you. If you go the opposite way, you start falling down, you start falling, you know, again, below 500 and getting deeper and deeper through the first six, seven weeks of the season. Yeah. There's plenty of year left. But it is you got to be playing from a 
you know, below 500 hockey team to a well above 500 hockey team throughout the rest of this. So as much as you're capable of taking the pressure off yourself with a great start, it works the same way if you have a horrible start. The pressure then becomes to build. And we know exactly what this team is like when they're faced with incredible pressure. They can't seem to get out of their own way. And I don't know if the bonus effect is going to be strong enough, at least this season, with how many moving parts they have and what we've already talked about, to go from a team that's playing sub-500 hockey to all of a sudden being a juggernaut who is playing well above that mark. So you're you're bang on. I mean, it's just game six here against, against St. Louis is one way you could frame it, or it's a very important game to getting back on track and building win streaks. That's what this team hasn't done for the last couple of years is, is put together win streaks. It's like, you know, they almost celebrate their wins too much and they almost feel their losses, you know, too heavy. They need to find that emotional balance um, and whether, you know, improved systems, improved coaching is the ticket to that. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But it's certainly important hockey to be played right now under less than ideal circumstances when you give, when you consider, and those aren't excuses. Those are just realities of new systems, growing pains and trying to figure out a locker room with the right, you know, leadership and culture. Well, you know, you make uh, a bunch of great points and I'll tell you what the St. Louis blues aren't going to be feeling sorry for anybody tonight. When they come to town with that three and record after shutting out the Edmonton Oilers hammer, this was been, uh, this has been great. Uh, we'll look forward to some bomber coverage from you coming up this week. And uh, when are we going to see that feature on, uh, on Zach? Bite your tongue. They're off this week. Uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be in LA. I'll be checking out Tempe. First uh, rink, and I'll be in Vegas for for the weekend. So I'll uh, I'll I'll be all hockey this week, uh, starting Wednesday. Actually, I'll be CFL Wednesday. I'll do my CFL rundown column, but I'll be heading to uh, heading to LA Wednesday. Well, interesting, isn't that interesting? How you managed to get that on the schedule? The old yeah, Vegas twice in a month. I got to go to at least one. I'm looking forward to the reports from uh, from Tempe and uh, the. Uh, you much heralded. I think it's I think it's the home opener for them. It is the home opener. So oh it's yeah. Gonna, yeah, so it's going to be, be part first, of history. I'll be part of trivia. You, if you uh whatever games will have the first Winnipeg reporters to be there. <laughs> uh yeah, definitely looking forward to it and it's also uh it's also Teddy Wyman on the trip. So I don't know if we're going to be a, a Teddy Let's and Jeff do Vegas, but uh, I'm not saying we're not doing it. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Follow on Instagram as well as Twitter at Jeff K Hamilton. Hammer, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks as always, Haas. Always great to be on. And shout out to the uh, the viewers and listeners because I know you guys podcast like the rest of those kids out there. <laughs> Good stuff. There's Jeff Hamilton uh, again, 7 o'clock tonight. Actually, Lyle was at the uh, game on uh, Saturday. So we'll ask him uh, what he thinks about where the Jets are at right now. We are going to get into uh, some of the uh, best and worst of the NFL weekend coming up. But hey, we mentioned the Bombers. Final regular season game is Friday night against BC. Be interested. We'll be keeping an eye on what's up with Nathan Rourke and whether we might see him in a game. And most importantly, whether we might see him on November 13th, uh, whether it's this week or for the West final, you know, two hours before the game, the place to be princess auto tailgate zone, just outside of IG field been incredible atmospheres before these games. The last little while they got some fire pits and hot chocolate as well as great beer specials, hot dogs, pop, and more. Great entertainment with DJ Finesse. Make sure you get down there to the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the Bomber game. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Blue and Gold 
and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And you can find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around at Princess Auto. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is waiting for you right now. They've got two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Our friends at Culligan Water continue to take care of Manitobans like they've been doing for 65 years as the leaders in water products and services. They've got water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them in person at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give the Culligan Man a call at 204-694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. I got to give a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club as well. Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. You know, the CC and Gingers have been very popular throughout the summer and at Bomber Games. And of course, you can pick up the CC and Ginger and your favorite Canadian club product at the game on Friday. And there'll be plenty of that going down at the West Final as well as the official spirit of the Bombers. But for you whiskey aficionados, the final uh, the final release in the uh, in the Canadian club series 45-year-old Canadian whiskey is going to be coming up. It's going to be announced and officially released at the Spirits of Distinction event coming up, I believe, on the 5th of November. Bottom line is there are only four, uh, 80 bottles in Manitoba of the Canadian Club Special Edition 45-year as part of the Canadian Club Chronicles series. So make sure to keep your eyes open for that and... Uh, your local Manitoba Liquor Marts are going to have that in just over a week. So uh, get on that if you're looking for one of the 80 bottles in the market for the Canadian Club Chronicles 45-year whiskey. And hey, a big shout-out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Always great support from them since day one. And maybe one of our most popular sponsors for WSTers to support back. Of course, they've got four locations, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Still rocking some of those great Blizzard flavors we fell in love with this summer. The most underrated burger in the fast food game, the DQ Stack Burger, not to mention chicken fingers and more ice cream novelties. And hey, if you need a DQ ice cream cake to make that next gathering or party a little bit better, Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it for you, ready to go for you uh, to pick up at quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right. Um, The rabbi, the sports rabbi himself, Matt Liable. It's been a minute since we had Matt on. Let's bring Matt in now to uh, talk about what he thought about the game Saturday night and a big, big weekend in the National Football League. What's up, Libs? How are you? I guess I should say something like uh, blessings to you and to Michael Remus and all the listeners and viewers of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm I'm doing great. It's great to be back with you guys. Looking forward to talking a little Jets and a little NFL and anything else you want to throw my way. It's a thrill. Well, listen, if you do want to throw some blessings, first off, on a serious note, throw a blessing the coach's way. Uh, I was, you know, concerning seeing Rick Bonus in a bit of distress earlier today, obviously hoping that everything will be okay with the coach. We're still waiting to see whether he'll be on the bench tonight. Um, 
and maybe throw a little blessing towards the uh, the squad tonight because three and three would sound a heck of a lot better than two and four. Big game tonight against the St. Louis Blues. And I know you were there on Saturday night, which was a frustrating night for the Jet fans in the building, that's for sure. I was there with, um, what, about uh, 12,000 of these Toronto Maple Leafs fans that, you know, they were loud on Saturday, but couldn't help but feeling kind of badly for them because it's easy to be a Leafs fan in October. Uh, let's see how many of them are wearing their Leafs jerseys proudly in April and May and June. I mean, they're, even, they're not going to get a chance to wear them in June. Let's not be so. But yeah, that was that game and the Montreal Jets game at home are the two games I, I absolutely hate the most on the calendar. I like when there's a great energy in the arena, don't get me wrong, but oh, unless unless you win, it's just like, your night is ruined. And so, yeah, I went home and I was, I don't know what I'm saying, I was depressed. I just wasn't in the kind of mood I was expecting. And part of it too is that, I don't know, they had that opening goal the Jets did, but after that, I really didn't feel like they were controlling anything in that. And it was kind of frustrating to watch that as well as what was going on in the stands. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a lot of the uh, attention and focus from fans and some of the media afterwards was on the refereeing and some of the calls, but I'm sort of with you. I mean, Listen, give credit to Toronto. I thought they played an awesome road game. They just didn't give the Winnipeg Jets very much. And, you know, with the team that talented, even though it was the fourth line that ended up making the winning goal, which is uh, certainly a sore spot, I'm sure, for people in that Jet dressing room. Um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets just didn't have as much in and around the net uh, that the Maple Leafs did. And, you know, unfortunately, that is going to be something they're really going to need to improve on if they want to hang with some of the top teams. I know they've beaten Colorado and the OT and uh, the Ranger game, but um, that wasn't a blueprint for winning consistently against quality competition. I felt like Dubois had a pretty good game, Huss, but other than that, you know, to take one of Sheldon Keefe's lines about the Leafs from just last week, where were the other Jets' elite players? And I don't know what we're calling Blake Wheeler anymore, but you talk about the Jets having very few opportunities. A couple that I can really recall noticing in the moment and then even thinking back, Wheeler was involved there. It's like, shoot the puck, shoot the puck, put the puck in the net. But where was Kyle Connor? You know, uh, Matthews didn't have a sp spectacular game for Toronto, but you noticed him on the ice. He had the shot from the point and ended up being the power play goal, put them up 3-1. He had that incredible spin move. I still don't know how a guy that big in such a tight space can do some of those things. He's amazing. But Tavares was probably the Leafs' best player. And... Yeah, the, the Jets, they don't have the same kind of elite talent that the Leafs, but you're at home and you've got a complete team and you should have a better goalie. You should be able to create something. I just, yeah, it sounds like you and I kind of saw the same game. The refereeing, I, they, they, it seemed pretty consistent to me. The interference call early, they kind of kept calling it like that as far as the game went. You're going to miss calls. You're going to, there was nothing egregious. I just feel like the Jets, I worried going into the season didn't really improve anywhere. So I don't know how they're going to be better. And then they play a team like Toronto that on paper looks to be better than them. And then on the ice is better than them. So my feelings that this is going to be a long season haven't gone away, <laughs> but I'll be going to games this year and I'll be cheering. And especially if there's a, <laughs> well, we'll see what we get tonight because this, I think, is uh, much like the Dallas game. I think a big, big test for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, listen, they've gone up against some tough teams so far. And, you know, you get a win tonight. You're three and three. I think most people would take that over the course of the first six games. 
But if you consider what Toronto did to limit the offensive opportunities to the Winnipeg Jets, we saw how effective Dallas was for the majority of the game last week. Um, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need to find another gear uh, or at least spend a lot of time in front of Jordan Bennington. And as bonus said earlier today, find some greasy goals because um, that has not been the case at times when the Jets, and we've seen it in the past, Matt, when the Jets are struggling, even in the offensive zone, they get pushed out to the perimeter. And um, it's hard to score goals from there, plain and simple. Yeah, they, they just didn't generate it. It, it was, it's too much of the Jets hockey that we've all come to see over the last decade plus. Can't get to their net. Can't get the other guys away from you. Like, when the score was still 1-1 there in the second period, I felt like the Jets were kind of lucky. There's one that Nylander missed. There, there were a few that could have easily been 2-1-3-1 at that point already for Toronto. And it's just like, and then, of course, that fourth-line goal you referenced. I got no problem, by the way, with John Tavares beating us. I got a big problem with David Kempf scoring goals. and we Yeah, lose like on a circus setup from Wayne Simmons. Who's just got called up after clearing waivers. I mean, like, Wayne Simmons is a career NHLer. He's obviously at the end of his career. It's not like he's nobody, but... He's not an elite player, and he's not the player he was when he was that Philadelphia Flyers kind of enforcer and good hands kind of guy. But, like, that's just the hockey that the Jets have been playing too many times in the last few seasons, and that's what I saw again on, on Saturday night. Can't gener generate anything in front, no traffic, no greasy goals other than Dubois, and then can't keep the other guys away. I mean, Tavares' goal, right there. The uh, power play goal that made it three. All the goals, they were right there. And the Jets can't. You, I, I knew at the end of the second when they got scored on, it was 3-1. I turned to the guy I was with and I said, you get the sense that they're going to generate two goals in the third period? And it was like, no. And I know they got the shots, but again, shots can be misleading when a lot of them come from the outside. It's not like they had these chances where they're really in front. They only had a couple of those throughout the whole game. No, it'll be interesting to see how the Jets match up and if they can uh, raise that level in front of the net in particular. And uh, Jordan Bennington's had a great start to the season. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, but Matt, I always love chopping it up with you on Monday because we're just coming out of another NFL Sunday. So many topics to start off with. Let me just ask you this. I have had this Tom Brady eulogy ready to go for like eight years uh, can can we start reading this soon, or is this going to be another time where we look back and remember where everyone was writing him off and the Bucks off earlier this season? They are a first place team, albeit three and four in a division that probably should be relegated right now. What is going on with Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I hope if you wrote that eulogy eight years ago, you've been updating it because he's done a few things in the last eight years. Other oh, than believe just me, there's been some addendums. <laughs> Look, um, the, the tough thing here for Brady that the reason why this is, seems to be different from all the other times is that now his personal life is being talked about and his personal life and his marriage and his relationship with his kids, you know, and part of it is he invited it in a little bit when training camp, he disappeared and said he was going to spend family time and there's a lot of stuff going on. And he invites it in when he skips, what is he skipping, uh, Wednesdays or something like that. So he, he, has, he has allowed his personal life and his football life to intersect. It's not just the media. But there's just so much attention on what's going on. And look, um, 
you got to figure, even somebody as strong mentally in the sport as Tom Brady, if, if what is being said, if any, any of it is true, if he and his wife are living apart, if he and Giselle are communicating, if they're lawyering up, there has to be a certain level of distraction that is going to bleed into his career. And he's just not young enough to be able to just overcome it sheerly on talent and work ethic alone. So I think that's what makes it a little different this time. I think what you were alluding to, we have to caution ourselves, even the Tom Brady haters among us, <clears throat> hustler. Um, he has proven people wrong before. Two years ago when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, at this point in the season, they did not look like a Super Bowl team, and they certainly don't look like a Super Bowl team here. I, I think part of the concern for the Bucks, on top of everything going on with Brady, that their defense doesn't look very good. I mean, Brady can only control his side of the ball. Mike Evans, that throw, that miss, maybe it changes the game if you were watching yesterday against Carolina. But the defense, this is not the same defense from two years. This isn't even the same defense from last year that got them deep into the playoffs. So it does kind of feel like this is a new twist on the, is Brady close to the end? But also, look at the rest of the NFC. It's not like there are really quarterbacks or teams in the NFC who are at the top of the field. As you put it, the Bucs have been crap, and they're still first in their division. Good so, thing they're not in the NFC East. <laughs> the juggernaut <laughs> NFC East. <laughs> who would have imagined about? saying that seven weeks into the season? All I know is, unless Tom Brady retires and stays retired for six months, I'm not going to believe it until it actually happens. Don't write him off. There's just... He's proven us wrong before. You know what? As bad as the back-to-back -back losses to Pittsburgh and Carolina were for Tom Brady, going three in a row in the L column to the Giants, who granted are 6-1, and one, but were a huge underdog against the Packers, the New York Jets losing by 17 at home, and then following it up yesterday with a loss to the Commanders. I Like, you want to talk about a fan base that is on the ledge right now that's not used to it it's the green bay packers and what is going on with aaron Rodgers and that offense right now um i would have thought that at least sure some early season growing pains but by now we'd seen this team much better they look like they're going in the opposite direction right now matt yeah i think that they're i expected their defense to be better um their defense just hasn't been very good but i'll if you take a look at a team like Green Bay, I wouldn't call them the biggest disappointment of the NFL season so far in the way that I would say a Denver. Because I don't, I mean, I just don't know how realistic the expectations were for people outside of Green Bay when it comes to this team. If you watched Packer games last year, Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball to Devontae Adams. That's the only person he threw the ball to. Devontae Adams is not there. He's in Vegas. And they didn't replace him with anybody other than rookies. And, I mean, Tony Dungy was showing tape last night during the Sunday Nighter. Anyone who's watched Aaron Rodgers knows he's the kind of guy that if you drop a ball, he will not throw you the ball. And that's not exactly a great influence for young receivers. So going into the season, I did not expect them to win their division. I thought Minnesota would win their division. I did not expect, I mean, I thought Detroit and Chicago wouldn't be great at all, so they would still kind of hang around there, but I did not expect the Packers to be very good. A nine-win team, maybe? I, I didn't see them as a double-digit team just because 
I think this trend started before this year when they became very one-dimensional on offense. Sure, Aaron Jones gets touches, and he actually had a pretty good game last yesterday. But, but, but this is just not. There's just nothing around Aaron Rodgers, and he can't do it all himself. And he also seems to get very frustrated by young players. So, this doesn't. It doesn't shock me in the same way like a team like, for example, like a Denver or the other way, like the New York Giants, where my expectations I felt were pretty in line with what their roster looked like in past performance. I feel like Green Bay has been heading this way. Now, do we expect, like you said, the losses to the Giants to the, and to the Jets and to the, um, and to the Steelers? No, not necessarily, but I didn't expect them to win overwhelmingly. And even when they've won, they haven't, it's not like they blew Chicago out. And Chicago's trash. So I think the Packers, this is, uh, they've got to make a move, maybe even in season, get him a receiver. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about that coming up over these next couple of weeks. And of course, we saw a big trade happen heading into the weekend, and that was Christian McCaffrey going from Carolina, which maybe made it that much more stunning that the Panthers were able to win the way they did against uh, against Tampa. But, you know, for all the big disappointments, is there a better story in the league this year than Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks right now, Matt? I said a couple of weeks ago, the way that the Broncos were playing, this trade was shaping up to be maybe the biggest larceny in NF in the NFL since the Herschel Walker trade. And to be honest, it's looking more and more like that each and every week. The Seahawks are in first place. But do you really think it's Gino? I mean, Gino's played well. He looks like Tom Brady in his prime right now, Matt. Oh. Okay. That might be a bit of a stretch. He has been amazing because, listen, they've been winning games and their defense has been brutal. I mean, even when you look at the games, like they put up 32 against the Saints and lost by seven. But, I mean, week in and week out, it seems like guys that we've never heard of are stepping up, making plays, or guys that we haven't heard of, like Marquise Goodwin for a few years, making plays. And as I said, a number of times, I'm as guilty as anyone I used to slam Geno Smith and I mean, going into the season, part of the reason why I think there may be a wager on Seattle to pick first overall this year was because of what they were doing at quarterback position. And he's been good. And that team now with two firsts and two seconds from Denver for the next couple of years. I mean, this uh, is going to set the Broncos franchise back in an incredible way. And who could have possibly imagined that that trade would be, not just part of a longer-term turnaround, but help them be a better team and more competitive right now this year. And to your point, Seattle is what part of where they are, why they are where they are this year, is because of their draft. They drafted guys who have gone right in there and started. Yep. It's not surprising that they've got two great draftees on their O-line, buying time for Geno Smith so that he can get the ball to DK Metcalf. I want to see how the DK Metcalf injury ends up hurting Geno Smith's numbers and the team going forward. It could be a bit of a blow there, but yes. And of course, Kenneth Walker, brand new running back. Everything is looking great there. So they've got the picks that they've now gotten from Denver, but they've also drafted so great in this past draft. They're basically overhauling their team in a couple of seasons and it's, it's going to be great. The question will be whether Gino is the guy going forward. He's certainly the guy doing enough right now to get them through and what is a kind of turned into a bit of a surprising division with the Rams looking really upside down Terrible. and the Cardinals having all that turmoil from up from the offseason.
clearly carried over. That team, like their 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 morale, their their culture just isn't so perfect climate for the Seahawks to just kind of do their job, try and win ten games maybe, and get themselves into the playoffs. And it looks like Pete Carroll's got the squad looking like that. They, I would say that other than them, the Giants are still probably the the best story of wow, look at all those wins because they only have the one loss and they're knocking off good teams. Um, and, and they just, and Saquon Barkley looks good. Like everything, and Daniel Jones is looking the best that he's ever looked. So I'd say the Giants are still number one feel good story, but the Seahawks, they're, they're a close second. And I don't think that they're worried about winning my opinion poll. They're just worried about winning games and that's what they're doing. And, and the Chargers too, like they're beating up, you kind of beat up on the Chargers in LA. That's amazing. Well, and you know, and credit, like you got to give a lot of the credit to the Seahawks, but at the same time, wonder what's happened to the Chargers. Although, like I said in the lock shop earlier, uh, the AFC West is what we thought it was and has been basically ever since Andy Reid got to Kansas City, and that is the Chiefs and then everybody else. But that's not what we were expecting this year. Um, you know, the Raiders had a tough start. I think they're probably the second best team in this division right now. The Chargers... The Chargers have a ton of talent. They're always hurt, and it seems to be falling apart. And I think a lot of the confidence in Brandon Staley's evaporated, and we mentioned the disaster in Denver right now. Uh, but, man, what a performance by the Chiefs yesterday, going into San Francisco, playing against one of the best defenses in the league, lighting them up for 44 points. And it was a very, very big win for Kansas City, considering how difficult their schedule is. And I think really needing a big bounce-back win, which they got in a tough place to play after going toe-to-toe with the team that I think we all agree is clearly number one right now in the NFL, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I, let's come back to that and see just what you think about the Eagles. I'm curious about the Eagles and where they stack up. I think I'm with you there on Buffalo, but I do have a, an issue with Buffalo I'll share. But you asked me about Kansas. Yes, I, I just want you to know, even though you say hurtful and despicable things about Tom Brady, the GOAT, when I'm on, and, and you just delegitimize yourself and hurt your credibility, I still love you and I still think of you every time I watch the Chiefs, particularly when things are going well. I think, oh, Hustler's probably having a good day. Good for him. He, he waited a long time as a fan. You know, like, I, I do think of you in a positive way. They're they're fantastic. What what has really impressed me, and I think a lot of other people, is Tyreek who? I mean, you don't notice him gone at all. One game, Travis Kelsey scoring three, four touchdowns. Yesterday, McCole Hardman. I've been waiting for McCole Hardman with his, his speed to get involved in a way like that for, for I think, kind of a season and a half almost. And it's nice to see him there. They didn't even have Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this, like starting yesterday. And they still, they look fantastic. They're deep. Andy Reid is, is he maybe the best play caller ever? He's, he's in the conversation for sure. Like they look right. They look exactly as they should. They look they just need to find a way to sustain it and to not get too cute because you know that they always kind of do get cute. And maybe Mahomes will have a little dip at some point in the season. But they look today like they will probably look in December and like they will look in January and maybe even to February. They are definitely a top five, top three. I would say that for me that they're a top three team. The question about them is the question that's been about them even when they were winning the Super Bowl, which is where's their defense at? Um, but they were able to frustrate Garoppolo pretty well. Ask the Niners. <laughs> he yeah. had, oh. I mean, 
Turnovers, safety, five sacks right now. Chris Jones is playing well. Frank Clark got in. I mean, they all raised up, uh, you know, in, in a big way yesterday. And even, you know, the secondary. Um, and, you know, and that's without their first rounder playing for five of the first seven weeks as well um, when McDuffie got hurt. So it, it, it was they're in a very good spot right now. And I think we knew this was a team that, like so many championship teams do, get better throughout the year. Um, but we mentioned, I mean, I don't think there's any argument. I believe for the first time in a long time, Buffalo coming out of the game against Kansas City was the number one ranked team DVOA offense and number one ranked team DVOA defense. Um, so they deserve where they're at right now, uh, deserve to be where they're at. Um, I think Kansas City's clearly the number two team in the league right now. You seem to be, uh, you seem to be giving the Eagles that nod coming out of the uh, the NFC. Yeah, I, 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 I thought the Eagles were going to be good heading into the year. I had this feeling about Jalen Hurts. I had this feeling about adding A.J. Brown into the mix on the offense. Their defense has surprised me um, in terms of what it's been able to do. They're all over the ball. They're creating turnovers. They are they're thumping teams. It, they didn't play this week, obviously, had the bye. But last week they played, was it Sunday night or Monday night when they played Dallas? I think it was Sunday night. And they were just stomping Dallas in the first half until Lane Johnson got hurt. And you saw actually how integral he was because then Micah Parsons was able to get through and frustrate Hurts and everything kind of changed there. But um, earlier in the year, a couple weeks in, I heard an interview with Donovan McNabb. And you never know with him if he's just trying to throw shade on his old employer, saying that this team's good, but they're a year or two away. And he may be right because they've kind of come out of nowhere and they may have a bump that sets them back or they may need that extra season to gel. But they don't look like that when they're playing. Um, it's easy to forget about a team like that when they didn't play this weekend with the bye. But they've had some really impressive wins. Uh, they stomped Minnesota. Like they've, 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 really, they've really looked very good to me and they look very complete. The one thing that they have that Kansas City also has, that Buffalo does not have. Whereas Buffalo, I think, is more elite at quarterback, clearly, than Philly. Jalen Hurts is still growing. And they have Stephon Diggs and other receivers that I think I would put ahead of what Philly has, not what Kansas City has. But this is the problem with Buffalo, and I don't understand why they haven't addressed it. And I know it's going to come back to hurt them. They, other than Josh Allen, can't and don't run the ball. They don't. And, and they play in a winter climate when it gets really, really cold in Buffalo. You want to be able to win these games when you have a lead and you can just run the ball in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. And you need a big back. You need a strong back. You need a power back, not a Devin Singletary kind of speed kind of back, more of a scat back kind of player. They just. And that's the same guy they drafted in James Cook this year. I mean, he's another little pass catching running back and Zach Moss. He just never really fit in because he's more of a built kind of a power sort of guy. Buffalo has not had this the last couple of years. Everyone always falls in love with them. And Josh Allen is great, but he can't be running the ball for you. He can't be your primary runner long-term. Hello, Andrew Luck. Like he can't be like, you can't do that. And you also short-term, like they're going to get themselves into the problems. You've seen this already. Sometimes we're against Baltimore. Was it where they, it just can't salt away the game. You know, you want to salt away a game with eight minutes left in the fourth, particularly at home, by just killing the clock running the ball. Buffalo cannot do that. And I can't recall an elite team without that ability. So that that is the reason why I 
I'm hesitant to say, I, I think you're right. I think Buffalo offensively, defensively, they're still the best team to this point in the season. And they beat Kansas City in this season. So they have that, they have that to, you know, hang their hat on. But as far as looking at these teams and how their rosters are constructed, that glaring hole for the Bills is what would scare me if I were a Buffalo fan. I'm going to be in Buffalo with my buddies from Toronto. We do an annual trip that we've had to postpone for a couple of years for, for COVID going down. And it was always, let's pick who they're playing and try and see a good team against Buffalo. Finally, the Bills are good. We're going to see Bills Vikings in a couple of weeks. So it's nice. going to be a great game and really want to get a chance to see what they can do uh, at home against Minnesota. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to sound like a Buffalo hater. I'm just saying this has looked like a glaring issue to me for a couple of years. They haven't addressed it, as you pointed out, even in the draft. I wonder if that'll come back to haunt them a little bit. This they have been talking about improving, and it sounded like they were very much in on uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. But obviously the Niners paid the price to get that done. Maddie, this has been awesome. You know, I should have introduced you as well when you came in. Some people might not know chair of the selection committee for the manitoba sports hall of fame congratulations on that and uh you guys got a big class coming in in a couple weeks i know you're looking forward to it yeah it's uh it's real honor when i left the radio with you guys i can believe six years ago wow 2016 i know that was when i i had my first retirement (laughs) um the minute i left the radio i got involved with the manitoba sports hall of fame and their board of directors and it was really cool i i've always enjoyed that sort of thing halls of fame museums that sports memorabilia history i find that stuff fascinating and then there was an opportunity for me to become the selection committee chair which is really exciting because of course we meet uh, in the summer and get the slate for this year so that was really it was really cool to be a part of that and welcomed into that committee and to get to you know bandy about some names and have some debates and come up with our slate which this year includes a, a lot of your viewers and listeners will know Don Baisley, the late uh, Don Baisley of blessed memory. So he's eligible. He's been nominated. He's going in. But there are other, one of the best parts about the Sports Hall of Fame, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, is you hear about some of the heroes that you wouldn't otherwise know in other sports, like Andrea Ferguson from Ringette, um, Halder Bjornsson from Cerebral Palsy Cycling, an unbelievable story at the national, international Special Olympics level, Patrick Jebison. Uh, this incredible basketball player from the late 80s, 90s, from Brandon, maybe the best collegiate basketball player in Manitoba history, male or female. So those are just some of the people that we'll be uh, inducting. The dinner event is on November the 3rd, which there is a Jets game, but we picked it before that, and uh, trying a new format this year. And also, because the usual MC, Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, is being inducted, he can't MC, so I'm MCing. Which I'm yes, more, it looks a little bit like a controversy. Like in my first year selection, I got Michelle voted in just so I get a chance to MC. I hope nobody says that, like it's just a complete coincidence. Um, but it's going to be a really, really great event. If people have never attended before, check it out. It is awesome. And again, it's November the third. Yeah, uh, listen, it'll be worth going just to see Libs do the MCing because I can tell you he put on an absolute clinic at the Rady dinner this year. And uh, that'll be worth it all. Well, congratulations to everyone, Matt. We'll have to catch up or uh, maybe in and around then to uh, highlight some of those folks. But uh, thanks for doing this on a Monday. Let's catch up again real soon. You be well and all the best to the fam. Um, Last thing I'm going to say, thank you to everything. I'm pulling for the Phillies. 
but it looks like the cheating Astros are going to win another World Series. And do we have to maybe give them a nod if they can win clean? I mean, they look really, really impressive. So don't forget the World Series is on right now. Not like anyone would, but it's uh, hopefully the Phillies can make it interesting. I'll be cheering for them. But uh, yeah, Astros look incredible. All in on the Phillies as well. Maddie, have a great one. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. And best to Remus too. Thanks, guys. All right, great stuff with Libs and uh, ooh, a lot of hot music takes in the chat as well with that beautiful collection in the background. Uh, game day tonight, 7 o'clock, Jets and St. Louis Blues. If you're uh, maybe planning for a game night at home, you know what goes well with uh, some hockey? How about some ice-cold beer and our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug? Pop by the tap room on William Avenue to try them all. And pick them up. And by the way, I mean, I guess we're not, we're, I think we're sort of out of patio season now officially. Uh, but man, that new patio they built is absolutely beautiful and was a great spot for our first ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night. Uh, but yeah, throughout the year, brewery and tap room open. We'll look forward to doing another event with our friends over at Little Brown Jug. And the bottom line is if you need a delicious cold one, get Winnipeg's finest, the 1919 Good Times Variety Pack and all of your Little Brown Jug favorites available at Little Brown Jug and at fine beer stores throughout the city. And, of course, you can also order online for citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, we've got to finish up with the Cool Bet lines. By the way, folks, if you haven't already, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. It certainly helps us grow the channel, and we'll have you the freshest YouTube Winnipeg Sports Talk content up for you whenever you get into your YouTube app. And, uh, geez, we're over 185. Let's see if we can get to 200 thumbs ups, folks. So if you haven't already, just hit that thumbs up. Simple, easy, and it helps the fellas continue to do what we do. Um, Remo, just before we get to the cool bet lines, the music takes just continue. I love that there was a few. Shout out to Winnipeg Walter, who I think was the one that brought up Sloan, my favorite when we're talking about Canadian bands. And by the way, who noticed the new goal song at the game on Saturday night? Firstly, we didn't hear it very much, but uh, I think they've moved from the Phantoms Let's Celebrate to a little of Winnipeg's own taking care of business. But again, it doesn't play for a long time because they then go to the player's goal song. So we got, I don't know, 10 seconds or so of taking care of business after the goal. And then it moved on to, uh, to Pierre-Luc Dubois' song, which is Hey Baby. Uh, and I thought this was some sort of dance remix. But no, it's pretty much the song that... Uh, we all remember everyone dancing to during the West final a year ago, trying not to freeze our butts as the Bombers went to another great cup. Oh, that, oh I know that one. Well, Nate Schmidt had a breakaway in that game. And that <laughs> play was incredible. He just parted the seas, went yeah. right up the middle, had a breakaway. And I was like, oh, and my first thought was, um, oh, man, Nate Schmidt almost scored. But then Mike McIntyre tweets out, we almost just heard Mambo number five at the <laughs> arena. And I was like, yes, exactly. I totally forgot that was his his goal song. So uh, some quality choices there uh, by the team. But a lot of the music takes are flying with Libel's massive CD collection. If you're listening on the podcast, you're going to want to check it out. And people are asking me, we, we did record that earlier to accommodate his schedule. People are asking me if he... As a vinyl collection, he says really small, nothing as big. He said he had about 40 to 50 vinyls, maybe about 800 CDs. And I asked him his favorite CD that he owns, and because people are asking, he said Paul Simon, Graceland. That is a very tough 
very tough question. That is, that's a quality. Libel's a hell of a musician himself. If you ever mm -hmm. seen him uh, tickle the ivories, he's, uh, he has some gifts, folks. He has some gifts, not just great takes and great work as a rabbi in the community here in Winnipeg. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish it up. Uh, looking forward to some great shows coming up this week again. We'll tell you about those in a minute. Uh, Dusty and I cranked out a Monday lock shop. Talked about the teams that ruined our weekend. Detroit Lions, you're on the list. Avoiding, they prevented a perfect, perfect weekend for me. And listen, first and goal on the one-yard line. Fumble on the one. I mean, it, it was so Lions-esque. Um, I probably should have expected it. Shame on me for taking the points in the Lions. Tonight, Bears-Patriots in New England. The Patriots are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Looks like Mac Jones is back as the starting quarterback for the Pats. He'll go against Justin Fields and the Bears. Total for this game, 40 on the nose. Last night when we were getting our lock shot picks ready, it was eight-and-a-half, and the total was 40-and-a-half. I uh, forced to take one of these two sides, went with the points and the Bears, plus eight-and-a-half. It's plus eight right now, and uh, under 40-and-a-half right now, it is at 40 of course, they've got all sorts of bet builder options. Some other, oh, the other one, my favorite bet for tonight is the good old field goal prop. Over three and a half field goals, plus 125. Let's go, kickers. Um, as far as the NHL goes tonight, Monday's a little busier of a night now, Remus, with these national games. And I've uh, got a great one out in Edmonton. Pittsburgh and the Oilers. Crosby, McDavid. Edmonton minus 122 home favorites. Pittsburgh plus 104. Of course, the Oilers shut out by Jordan Biddington and the Blues on the weekend. Uh, here, Jets a slight favorite at home against the Blues. Minus 115 for Winnipeg. Minus 102 for the Blues who come in at 3-0-0. Straight pick them pretty much between the Stars and Sens. Minus 109 Dallas. Minus 108 for Ottawa. Washington plus 106 on the road. Devils a slight home favorite at minus 125. Leafs in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. Leafs minus 114, Vegas minus 103. And the late game, a team I know you want to talk about, Michael Remus, the Vancouver Canucks at home to the Carolina Hurricanes. Canucks plus 136, Canes minus 161. And it is ugly in Vancouver. By the way, folks, if you haven't played at Cool Bet, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. Hook you up with a 100% percent bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks think the canucks are going to get that elusive win tonight no. against the uh, hurricanes yeah i don't either. No, i don't think so either carolina's been on a they've been on a grinder of a schedule speaking of grind they were playing edmonton uh and calgary and now into vancouver and i am totally fascinated by the canucks they've been a team without a plan for a long time uh they haven't wanted to go into a full rebuild yeah, they you know they really didn't change anything. You know they had all these crappy contracts that are about to expire, and then they traded traded them for Oliver Ekman Larson's more expensive, longer term <laughs> contract, which was a bad move. And then they re-signed J.T. Miller, which I mean he was their best player, Hus, but they're not in a position to be doing that. And the fans on Saturday night let Vancouver have have it after blowing you know a bunch of leads after blowing multi goal leads in the first couple of games. They come home for the opener. And they just stink it up against the Buffalo Sabres, who just ran the table against Calgary and Edmonton. Eric Comrie's been uh, out of control for the for them. But Vancouver, you know, 
did not were, was not competitive in that game. Jersey thrown on the ice, fans booing. They boo. They tried to do a sweet Caroline sing along, and they booed that. <laughs> um, you know they're so aggressive in Vancouver. They're boo. You know confronting JT Miller while he's out with his family in the pumpkin patch. That is BC, so lame. Which is which is you do not do. Not cool. Uh, they're not happy in Vancouver, and I think it's going to be more pain for them tonight uh, as they host Carolina, who's looking like a cup contender. Well, uh, yeah, Canuck fans at the best of times can be somewhat cantankerous, but um, it has just started off so poorly. And, I mean, the losing is one thing, but the way they've lost blowing multiple goal leads in all of these games, or most of the games up until this point, has really exacerbated the angst, the yeah. anger, and the poor behavior from some Canuck and, fans. No matter how pissed off you are at your team, don't get in a guy's grill when he's out with his family at, you know, doing some Saturday Sunday afternoon activity. Come on, man. Yeah, and Quinn Hughes is uh, week to week, and he's not out. And Brock Besser also, also out tonight. I don't know. Maybe this is the time where you think, oh, everything's going against Vancouver. The one game you think, oh, there's no chance they're winning. They, they win. Um so we'll see. One, At, minus 161. I'll ride with the Hurricanes for this one. Thank you very I much. I like the um, goal. I like the the props. If you want to do like shots on goal or player goals, I'm trying to see who. Uh, Seth Jarvis off to a nice start. Plus, plus 245. Uh, you want to go, go with him. Funny, they got Sebastian Ajo brackets 1997 in case you get confused. With the other Sebastian Ajo, we're looking at the at the cool bet at the cool. Is bet that place. how they is that how they identify them now by the year that they were born? I, Ajo ninety seven and Ajo ninety nine or whatever the other guy is. Yeah, well, this is a, a massive Vachnikov. He's off to a hot start too at a hat trick yeah. the other day, two and a half over. Now that's minus one eighty two, so huge favorite. But what about goal scorers here? What uh, Kyle Connor plus one thirty two. Connor often scores really? against the Blues. Not much of a discount there for Connor. Gotta get well. Listen, I know more than anything, he's probably due. I mean, Kyle Connor doesn't go without scoring for that long. So uh, four goals is long for Kyle Connor. So tell you what, Connor, right now, KFC goal plus one thirty two tonight. You can thank me later on that one, um, folks. Great stuff. We got to get these pods up for uh, folks to listen to on the way to the game. Thank you very much for being with us tomorrow. Busy show. We'll recap. The Jets, Blues, the quick uh, quick time at home on the weekend and look ahead to the homestand. Rennie's going to pop by. Sean Reynolds, don't forget, he and Ken We will be on after the game tonight. Check them out on YouTube. And Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press as well. Continue to send good thoughts to Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus. Hope he's feeling better. We'll see whether he is on the bench tonight. And uh, enjoy the game. Thanks so much for being with us, folks. Thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. We will see you, win or lose, tomorrow, 1 o'clock Central, with tons of Jets talk and more here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.